Saturday night. Uh Alright, I'm ready when you are. Okay, big guy, we're rolling. Uh, ready for the intro for the Louisiana Saturday Night Podcast. I don't have all fucking day, so let's go. Let's do the script. Alright. <clears throat> ready when you are. Alright, here we go. It's Saturday night, and that means a fuck ton of fun. This is... is okay, um, let's try it again. Uh, the cussing, if you could eliminate the F word, that would be fantastic. Well, it says fun. It's, uh, Louis, they're in Louisiana. It's, a Louis, it's supposed to be fun. Okay, again, um, if we could eliminate the... Uh, I, I know, I know, I know it says, but... All right. <clears throat> Maybe you don't want to use the word fuck. Just saying, let's drop it and, you know, do the rest. Okay. All right, Roland, take five. A fuck ton of fun on a Saturday night. This is the... Okay, um... Okay, I don't have all day. Okay, fantastic. Um, this The script says it's a fun podcast. You're being a little fuck face. Go fuck your mother. I come to work and... My boss tells me to go fuck my mother. That's uh, that's really great. Get out of here. Go fuck your mother. Well, fuck it. I'm out of here. Uh, you can do this shit by yourself. Pussy. So, fuck you and fuck your mother. How about that, big fella? Go fuck your mother. Fuck your mother. I'm glad he's gone. Because, you know what? This is. It's a fuck ton of fun. This is the Louisiana Saturday Night Podcast. And this is Robert and April. But it's relevant, though. Hey, bitches. What's up? Welcome to Louisiana Saturday Night Podcast. This week, we're going to have uh, Damon Harris, a.k.a. the Black Mamba, back on. But instead of talking <laughs> shit, we're going to actually um, talk about what he does for a living, where he does it at, because it's pretty interesting. I'm sure he's got some good stories, but I'm not going to spoil all that. So uh, we're going to get into it. But first, I guess April's got some shit she wants to uh, <laughs> yes, talk before, about. Before we get started on our topic, uh, before we leave this month, and there's a tie-in too, so just wait for it. Um, this is something that I heard just before, like just a few minutes ago. But okay. I'm going to ask y'all this, okay? Do y'all know what... These, uh, I guess, these tragedies have in common. I'm about to list them, okay? Waco, Oklahoma City bombing, Columbine, Virginia Tech shooting, and the Boston Marathon. Yeah, terrorists. Yeah, but other than that, they all happen in April. They all have been what? In in the month of April. I never even it's made a conspiracy that. Conspiracy, come on. <laughs> well, well, not even that. You know what? And what else they had this month? They had those bombings in Sri Lanka. Also oh my God, our, that's right. Yeah. But but there's a tie-in, Zaman, because uh, my name's April. My birthday's in April, but somebody else's mm. birthday is also in April. My birthday's that's, in April. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So do y'all have something to do with it? Uh, no. But I, that was just kind of juicy. I don't know. Let me tell you something. If I had something to do with a surgery, it would be dead by now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Y'all, y'all can, we can get on with this. That's such a good hand. That was going to be something good. I just wanted to share that. What? That is. That's, that's, I never even knew all that happened. Right, like, oh. right. Yeah, that's, that's wow. That's just blew my mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, right. wow, wow. So, uh, like I said, we got Damon on what is this week. And, uh, so the main reason why I wanted to have you on is because, um, of course, you work in New Orleans and you've worked there for how long now? 
21 years. 21 years with the New Orleans Police Department. And uh, you were there, of course, during Katrina, as was I. But we were each doing different things, I'm sure. Um, so take me back to uh, when you first got out of the Corps. How in the hell did you? Because I'd be honest with you. In the Corps, I never would imagine you being <laughs> a fucking police officer. Which probably everybody could say the same shit about me. But of all the places to be the police, New Orleans. I know that's where you're from. But how the hell did that come about? It's kind of strange. I mean, I was I was thinking about staying in the Corps, you know, but then I had my last first sergeant, First Sergeant O'Connell, who was like a huge racist. He was like the first person that I met that actually I could actually sit up here and say was was racist. And was you know, he really? What, oh my God, the dude was horrible. You can ask anybody. He was the biggest racist ever. Dude. You know, he was my um company gunny in boot camp. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's how I knew him when he came to the to the unit. On, on that yeah. round, that second deployment, yeah. dude, he had like a, a hot plate on his uh, desk, and he had a frying pan on it. And like, if you were in trouble, he would have your name tag in the in the frying pan, like he was gonna fry you. You know what I'm saying? It was, which you know, it was always a Hispanic guy or a black guy's name tag was in his frying pan whenever you went in his office. Mm. But you know where he's from? Huh? No, nah, I didn't know. He's from Boston uh, or around from- that area. But yeah, they really oh, fucking races over there, man. Yeah, so you, you but, wouldn't think it. They say all the races are down here in the south, but yeah, fucking exactly. Massachusetts yeah. got them. Beat. But but yeah, but that's what that's what made me get out the core because you know I went in when I was seventeen, and uh, I loved it. I enjoyed everything about the core. You don't get me wrong; we had our good times, we had our bad times, and everything. But the good times, you know, outweighed the bad times. But dealing with him on my last deployment, dude, just made me just want to get out the core and just so you know. Anyways, I came back home. And I was on terminal leave. I took two months of terminal leave. And I had a friend. She worked at the sheriff's department in the jail. So I started working there. And then I had another friend who was like, hey, the police department's hiring. And I was like, man, I don't want to be no damn police officer. I hate the police. So, you know, I applied. You know, I applied anyway. So I applied. And I was like, this was, this was, I got home in January. February, I started working for the sheriff's department. And my ETS was in March of 97. So which sheriff's eight, department were you working for? Look, Orleans Parish, you know, okay. in, in, yeah, you know, in, New, in Orleans, uh, the sheriff's department runs the jail. Yeah. Yeah. So I started working for him and then, you know, I applied for the police department and then in all in like July. And then I was I was tired, you know, just tired of this civilian shit. So I was thinking about going back in the core. And that's when they called me to come in and do all my processing. And I came on the police department in October of 97. You know, and I've been there ever since. Damn, October '97. Yeah, October '97, dude. I didn't expect it. It was just, it was just something happened. I think it happened for the best because you know I went in the Marine Corps. Like I said, when I was seventeen, I was I was undisciplined when I went in Marine Corps. And mm-hmm. I tell these little guys out here all the time: the military made me the man I am today. And if I could do anything over again, I still go in the Corps at seventeen. So NOPD. Now back in '97, they were fucking. And you know, you went to not you went to New Orleans in '97 and fucked around, and you get a pop not pop on your fucking head because they <laughs> they would handle business back in the day. Now that you know there was there was crime in New Orleans, but nothing like it is now. It was under control. Well, the thing about it, and I can honestly say this: you know, when you when you came on in '97, when I came on, um, what you were taught by your FTOs was you know how to be the police. 
And, you know, we kind of had crime under control. We kind of had, uh, you know, whenever we had any special events, we had it under control because people feared NOPD. They didn't come down here to do dumb things because the rumor spread throughout the nation. If you go right. to New Orleans during Mardi Gras, if you, if you slap a horse on the ass, you know, you're going to get lumped upside your head and you're going to wind up in jail. You know, if you put your hands on the police, you're going to go to charity hospital yeah. and you're going to go to jail. You know, you know, that was kind of like the, the climate of, you know, how the police department was. It was kind of like learned behavior, I should say. You know right. what I'm saying? Not saying we did not saying we did anything illegal. So I wanted people to hear that first. We didn't do anything illegal. It was kind of the, like I said, the climate of law enforcement. Then. So you, you would run around and beat up black people, right? Because some, nah, of, our, nah, some nah, of the audience might not know you are a black male. Oh, damn, I am? Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like Clayton Bigsby. <laughs> what was it, what was it? Remember Clayton Bigsby with Dave Chappelle? Yeah. He his wife. Yeah. And found, yeah. She was black. She found out. She, I, can't, I can't say that word, but well, she found out. Well, you can say it. A, I can't uh, say it. Black person lover? Nah, I, you know me. So, but. But, uh, so, yeah. You, you, but what y'all did wasn't, um, that was, that's how you fucking handled shit. And there, yeah, was, there was a modicum of respect from the bad guys yeah, back then because they, were, they, they knew they would get their ass handled. Yeah, you know, they would get the issue. And that's basically yeah. what it was. You know, if you commit a crime, you got your issue. And it wasn't like you got uh, beat senseless. If you put your hands on the police, you got your issue. If you did something to a citizen, you got your issue. And they all respected it, you know. But mm -hmm. I think it, it all I think it all changed when. You know, society started changing and policing in general started changing throughout the nation, you know, and, you know, not trying to sit up here and put anything, say anything bad about any elected officials, you know, we have had. But that has something to do with it also, you know. Well, you know, like I said, that goes back to the theory that us as police officers, all we do is go around and try to kill uh, young black men. That's, nah, that's, that's what that's what everybody thinks we do. Or we out yeah, to, that's that's what they want you to believe. Yeah, we're out to pin something on them, or you know. So, where was your yes. first assignment when you graduate from the academy? Uh, my first assignment, I got out the academy. I won the PT award. I won the physical fitness award. <laughs> and yeah, it, it was yeah. Lonnie Swain was the captain of the seventh district. He was getting all of the PT award winners. And I set a record in the academy. I did 198 push-ups. So I put like that's you that's get a Marine yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was straight out the core in shape back then. So on my wish list, I had put five, five, five down. I wanted to go to the fifth district, you know, the night ward, the lower night ward, you know, you know, that's where you heard, you know, that's what the police were. Mm -hmm. So, um, I didn't get five, five, five. <laughs> Lonnie Swain got me to the seventh district. He traded two people from the seventh for me to go to the seventh because I was a PT, you know, and okay. I didn't so know anything about where's the, the seventh district. Of people that don't that's know. New Orleans East. That's okay. New Orleans East. Oh, okay. And it's New Orleans East is like bigger than the rest of New Orleans combined, you know, than the other um eight district the other seven districts combined. It's huge. And I didn't know anything about it except where the mall was, the plaza, because that's where I was at, you know, at the academy and I was small growing up. We used to go there and ice skate because they had ice skate right mm -hmm. there. So it was like a whole different world, but which was good about it was because they had closed down the Desire Project and closed down the Florida Project. So they had moved all of those residents into the 7th District, into those apartment complexes out there. So it was it was uh, it was an experience. It was, you know, it was the rough, tough and dangerous, as some say. <laughs> so you grew up in New Orleans, is that right? 
Yeah, I grew up in New Orleans. I grew up in uh, an official project on Hindi Court. So a lot of people ain't going to know what the hell you, hell that is. Tell us a little bit about that. What was that like growing up in? Well, it was it was, it wasn't bad. I mean, to me growing up it was it was fun. You know, because everybody knew everybody. Mm-hmm. If I if I did something down the street, by the time I got home, my mother, my grandmother knew about it, and yeah. I probably got three ass whippings yeah. before I got home. You know, <laughs> right. but look, look, I got a, I got a funny story about that. I got a funny story about that. There's, there was this this store called IGA on on Whitney, well LB Landry. It's called LB Landry now, and um, I had stole something out of the store. I think I was like seven or eight years old. And there was a guy who owned the store and his son there. So the son grabbed me and called the police. So when the police officer came, it was a female. Her name was Rhonda Heyman. So she came and she beat the living shit out of me. The the, cop, the police officer? Yes, the police officer. <laughs> oh, my God. Look, but look, but look. How old were you? She, she, dude, uh, I had to be about seven or eight years old, dude. <laughs> Rob, Rob, when I tell you, she beat the piss out of me and brought me home, and I got my ass whooped when I got home. But this is the funny shit. So look, when I get to the 7th District, there's a dude in the 7th District in the task force. When I get there, his name, I'm not going to say his name. I'm just going to say his first name. His first name is, is Joseph. We call him Joe. His dad was the owner of the IGA, and he was the dude who grabbed me and called the police. So look. The police officer who grabbed me, Miss Rhonda Heyman, is still on NOPD. <laughs> <laughs> so, so look, I look, so I saw her. I saw her about no bullshit. I saw her about about three years after I was on the job, and I was like, you know, she saw me, and I looked at. Her, I said, Miss Heyman, you don't remember me? She said, You from you from across the river? I said, Yeah. I said, You don't remember you beat my ass? And I told, her, I said, What you did to me probably changed my life and made me who I am today. You know? Did she so, remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah, she remembered it. She bust out <laughs> laughing. And every time, and the thing about it, I'm a sergeant now, and she's a, you know, she's still a police officer for, and every time I see her, and, you know, being a group of people, I tell everybody the story, and she just busts out laughing and hugs me and kisses me. Because I tell her, I say, you know, that, that what you gave me, which some people say is, um, well, police brutality mm-hmm. is probably what changed, which is probably what changed my life and kept me from, you know, escalating my criminal activity into, you know, uh, well, from shoplifting to theft to, mm-hmm. to simple yeah. robbery to armed robbery and anything, you know, further than that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because if she did that today, the first thing that would happen is the parents would be down at the police department raising nine kinds of hell, filing a lawsuit. She'd be fired. They'd get some money and their kid would continue being a criminal. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree 100 percent. And like I tell her, if if I was a millionaire, I'd probably get half of my money to Miss Rhonda because Miss Rhonda. Aww. <laughs> Along with the Marine Corps, changed my life, you know. Yeah. So, who was your um your FTO when you first got to? What you said the oh, seventh man. My my first FTO was hold on, let me think. My first FTO was a uh, a guy named um uh, uh Nathaniel Almore. He retired. He was a real good guy. He was a uh, he was he was smooth. He was smooth, real quiet. He smoked cigarettes, real quiet. His thing was. And he wasn't really a proactive FTO, but he wanted you to learn the district and he mm-hmm. wanted to learn how to write those reports. That was his number one focus. And it's like we get a call and I'm driving and I'd be looking through the map because the seventh district is not like a little piece of paper map that you look at. The seventh district, the map is like a freaking book. You know what I'm saying? And you flip through the first couple of pages, Y'all you look have for the metro street keys? alphabetical order. What's Metro Keys? You didn't have there's a, a book. book and uh yeah. 
No. I, remember, I remember having that when I was at the sheriff's office. That's how, you know, we're no, this, old. No, this is something that somebody on NOPD made up for the mm, new people okay. to know where things are at. And, you know, you flip through your first pages, you look for the street in alphabetical order, tell you what page to go to. You go to that page and they'll show you a cutout of the zone and you'll see the street. And so you had to get there. So, you know, a call will come out and he'll take my map for me, throw it on the floor and tell me, you better get there. He put his shades on and go to sleep. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) And so and so I'm riding around like the seventh district in this car trying to find the street. Eventually I found the street, but it helped me because that's how I was able to learn the district. He was one. Of, he was probably one of the best FTOs I had. You know. Now, from you're from New Orleans. How come you didn't know the area? Well, because I'm I'm from across the river. I'm from Algiers. So, everybody, it's yeah, all the same, every, right? How, no, it's not. You gotta understand. <laughs> every, that's in what Algiers, everybody thinks. We don't. Yeah, it's totally different. If you're from New Orleans East, oh. you don't go downtown. You don't go uptown. You don't go across the. That's how it was back in the day. And if you're from like downtown. Which is like uh, the CBD, the Ninth Ward, the Seventh Ward, the Eighth Ward. You don't go uptown, which is like the Thirteenth, the Seventeenth, and all that. Everybody stayed in the area. And that was just because of yeah. what? Well, if, well, if you went somewhere and you, if you went to the Ninth Ward, you weren't from there. You probably would get your ass bust. Really? You couldn't go. <laughs> what if you had family stayed over there? So I was. If you went uptown, yeah, they could. Well, that's different. If you had family, basically somebody to vouch for you, you was you, good. You had to get a day <laughs> pass. You went by yourself. You got, you got your ass passed. Yeah, you got jumped. I mean, God the thing damn. about it, they could tell. Like, it was like in New Orleans. Hey, you see, had look, you, you, you saying uptown, this shit like yeah. I should know. I'm a white guy. I grew up in the country with a bunch of other white people. So I don't, we could go wherever we wanted and not get beat yeah, up. It was, yeah, it was different. It was different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It, it's changed a lot, though. You know, it's like you had different haircuts. If you was from uptown, there's the uptown fade. If you was from downtown, you had oh, a wow. different haircut. So they know, crazy. yeah. So they know where you were from because your haircuts was different. You know. Look, the only thing that people know about New Orleans that aren't from this area is what they see, what they saw in Treme. That's it. Or movies. Or, yeah, that's that was yeah. bullshit. And everything's yeah. a swamp. Every, <laughs> right, everything's a swamp. Yeah, Live in the water. Yeah. No, nah, we don't have no swamps. We got we got the Bayou St. John. That's about it, which runs around City Park, but that's about it. Well, you got Lake Pontry Drain. Yeah, and the, the lake, which, of course, yeah. you know, but, you know. So you get there, but, um, your first FTO, did you, did you, were you like, man, fuck this job, or did you right away, were you like, man, I like this shit? I, I kind of liked it because... Coming from being in the Marine Corps, being a Marine Corps infantry, being physical and going to the seventh district, you know, a lot of foot chases, a lot of car chases and stuff like that, you know, armed robberies, different things like it was it was fun. I'm I'm not gonna say I can't say it was fun. It was entertaining because mm-hmm. I can't say it was fun based yeah. on other people's misery and, and right. you know yeah. you know, victimizations. Well, I can't I say understand it was fun. what you're it saying. It's a lot of action. But some people don't. Some of some of your listeners don't yeah, understand. Like when I went to Iraq, the, the first thing they asked me was how was it? I was like, It was fun. They were like, What? I was yeah. like, No, not fun yeah. in the sense that like we went to a fucking football game. Fun in the sense that I got to hang out with the same kind of like minded people and we all you know, it was that same camaraderie and everything. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You know, some people just feel that, you know, you know, they just don't, they don't understand. A lot of your, your listeners probably not going to understand it, not in law enforcement. But, right, right. you know, yeah, it was, like I said, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to sit up here and, and, you know, uh, piss on anybody's victimization or anything. But it was a, it was a good time to learn to be a police officer, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, yeah, it's much sense. much yeah. different back then. Even when I started 18 years ago, it was totally different. Um, totally different animal as far as how you did police work. Yeah. So, yes. when you, you how long did you stay at at the seventh? Uh, oh, I stayed in the seventh till I was in the seventh from '97. I tried to go to the task force in '97, and uh, in the in the seventh, they wouldn't let me go. So I applied for a transfer to the third district, which encompasses Gentilly, City Park, Lakeview, uh, Holly Grove, one side of Holly Grove. So I got that transfer to the third district. I went to the third district, and I became an FTO in the third district. Um, that was in '99. 99, the beginning mm-hmm. of 99. Um, then I went to DIU. I did uh, a stint as a robbery detective for a year, you know, in the third district, um, which was really good. I learned a lot being a robbery detective. Don't get me wrong. And now, I, why did you leave that and go back yeah. to uniform patrol? Well, I'm going to tell you, being a robbery detective was great. We had a great lieutenant. His name was Jeff Wynn. And I'm going to say his name because he was probably one of the people who saved New Orleans during Katrina. We're going to get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, he was former, he was a Marine. He was a, he was a gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps Reserve. He was an MP, real good guy. He was my lieutenant. And when we came to work to do robbery, we didn't come to work in slacks and ties and, and, and dress shirts. We came to work in jeans and polo shirts or t-shirts because mm-hmm. – you know, we went out there and we caught the guys that were doing this armed robberies. And when we didn't have any robbery cases, we went out there and prevented robberies. And, right. and you know, he was really proactive. He wasn't reactive. You know, that's why the third district in, in uh, 1999, we got the crime reduction award because we knocked the socks off of armed robberies by the robbery detectives, you know, being proactive. And that kind of police work you did back then, I venture to say you probably couldn't do that now. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. With the, you gotta understand crazy. something. You, you gotta understand something. It's not. It's not even the fact that uh, policing has changed. It's just the fact that we have a federal consent decree, mm-hmm. and you know, right now we're being you know monitored by people who have, uh, who are lawyers, who are attorneys, who have never been the police, who don't know the culture of New Orleans, mm-hmm. yeah. who don't understand anything about New Orleans, and they're trying to tell us how to be the police how to talk to people, how to do different things like that. And back then in New Orleans, if you stopped somebody and you said, hey, sir or ma'am, come here, they would look at you like you were crazy. And they would say, I ain't no goddamn sir or ma'am. You know what I'm saying? So that was the culture back then. So, you know. Damn. Consent decree. We're going to get to that. Yeah. So what was, like, I'm assuming before you were a police officer, you'd been to Mardi Gras before. The last Mardi Gras I went to was Mardi Gras of 1993, a couple of weeks before I went into the Marine Corps boot camp. Okay, but you had you had been to Mardi Gras before, of course. Yeah, absolutely, right. absolutely. So when you got ready to work your first Mardi Gras as a police officer, were you expecting to go into it knowing what you know what was going to happen, like how it was going to be, or were you totally fucking surprised being on the other side of the the glass? 
You know what? From being from being a civilian on that side, looking at Mardi Gras in New Orleans, you saw how the police officers were. They were real friendly. They were interactive with the people, the citizens, the crowds, and stuff like that. So when I worked it, it was it was really like an eye opener because it is like you were on stage and you were a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it was like you. You know, you, you, you know, you could, you could pick up kids and bring kids to the floats to get, uh, to get, uh, uh, you know, uh, throws and stuff like that. You know, it was, it was amazing, man. It was, it was like mind blowing being on the other side of the barricade, you know, but it, you know, it, it was fun. It was really good. So what was your next stop after, um, detectives? Oh, after I left, the, after I, left I went back to, uh, I went back to patrol. Um, then from patrol, I went to the third district task force. Um, from the third district task force, um, I applied for the SWAT team. Well, you know, the TAC unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I got it. I went to the TAC unit. This was in, uh, the end of 2002. I went to the TAC unit. I went to, uh, platoon too, cause back then, we had uh we had four tack platoons. You had tack one, tack two, tack three, and you had the Viles unit, which was the violent offender warrant squad, which was like where all the the old tack men went. You know who didn't get promoted to sergeant or anything? They went to the Viles unit because mm-hmm. you know they were too old to be beating up the streets and stuff. So they just went out and picked up all the warning subjects. That's where you're at now. Mm-mm. You said old people. Right now I'm. A, yeah, well. She, <laughs> I still got it. I still go run a seven minute mile, so I'm not that old. <laughs> there you go. Yes. So was that better or um, worse than your time in patrol? What, like, what did you like doing? I mean, the worst? me me personally, I like doing. I like. I really like the patrol aspect of it because, it's like, whenever you came to work, you, your job wasn't planned. Every day was something different. You know, every day you might get a, you might get a, a, well, they don't know the signals. You might get an aggravated burglary. You might get an armed robbery. You might get somebody who's standing up there beating their meat, looking at somebody's window. You might get a traffic accident. <laughs> you know, it was, it was like yeah. a grab, it was like a grab bag. You know, you go to work, you stick your hand in the brown paper bag and you pull out something. It was just something different. So I really like patrol. But when I went to the SWAT team, you know, I thought that I knew everything about police. But when I went back there and started working with some of those guys, man, let me tell you something. Those guys back there were some freaking awesome freaking guys. They like, they taught me a lot, you know, especially about, mm-hmm. uh, arrest, arrest reports, uh, you know, uh, writing gist, writing search warrants, writing arrest warrants, um, basically how to spot criminals. And a lot of people don't understand this. If, if you riding down the street, you could look over, you know, as a police officer and you could get this feeling that that person's wanted. They have uh, a gun on them, or they have drugs on them. A lot of civilians don't understand that. Now, are you, that pro- you, you probably are you profiling to that. people, Demond? Are you profiling? No, people? not profiling people. No, <laughs> never, never profiling people. I'm just saying you get that feeling that they're doing something, and you know you would see like when you're you're driving past them, you look at them, and a, a, a guilty person. I'm not gonna say a guilty person. A person who is doing something wrong. Something, always touches it. If they have a gun in their waistband, they always touch it. If they have crack in their pocket or weed in their pocket, they always touch it, no matter what pocket. Well, you're cutting out. It's just like an instinct. To conceal it, I guess, or to to like put some distance between... It's human nature. They want to put something between Mm -hmm. the police officer and whatever they got on them. 
You there? Come on. I think I lost you. Yeah, I'm here. All right, we're back. No, Demond's got shitty internet. New Orleans has shitty internet. <laughs> um, no, I that's, live in Slidell. So you saying St. Tammany Parish got shitty internet? That's the shitty part of the state. We don't give them anything good. We give them all the shitty the internet. North Shore, that's good. That's the good part. Why do you live? Do all the white people live at over there? Absolutely. Why you think I live here? That's crazy. You sound like my other buddy that works with me. He said the same thing. The thing about it, St. Tammany Parish has, number one, uh, less crime than New Orleans, Mm -hmm. but number two, better schools for your children. If you live in Orleans Parish, you got to basically got to pay for private schools for your kids to get a decent education. But if you live in St. Tammany Parish, all the public schools are like, yeah, they're like, they're like number two out of the state as far as education wise. Private schools are cheap. You can afford that. No, I can't. Not on the policeman's salary. Oh, that sergeant right. money you making? I want to hear that shit. <laughs> Same yeah, reason whatever. our kids don't go to private school, right? That's whenever, why we moved to Zach, right? <laughs> shit, whenever you get promoted, your insurance goes up, so you really don't see that money. Mm. Why does your insurance go up? It's all the time. Oh, you talking about from a, like a raise Whenever. standpoint? Right, right. Every That's year, like every time yeah. I get a raise, yeah. yeah, every year I get a raise, and yep. then it, whenever we get a raise, our insurance premium goes yeah. up. Yeah, I got to get better raises. Well, last raise we got oh, but, was one the Mitch yeah. Landrew before he left. We tried to get everybody to like him, you know. Mm. Well, Baton Rouge City, they they uh trying to get a pay raise now. They're like the least paid in yeah. the state. Yeah, yeah. Gonzalez PD makes more than them starting out. Crazy. Yeah, Gonzalez PD makes real good money. Gonzalez PD like and what 50, is it, Bossier City? PD? Fifty something thousand. They make more than a trooper star now. Yeah, that's how they make more than NOPD. I think the, the the new guys that come out of NOPD right now, I think they make like forty one or forty. When I came on, I was making ninety seven. I was making twenty six thousand dollars a year. They said it was thirty thousand. Yeah, but that was in, that was including your uh your state pay and everything. You know? No, your state's up. Yeah, it stays up. Oh, everybody in the state other than state police get state sub? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, troopers don't get state sub. I think it's it's included. I think it's included in the salary. They say it's included in the salary. Yeah, Yeah, it's included in the salary. (laughs) It don't say they're on there, so show me. It's not a light item. (laughs) No, not like on everybody. When I was at the sheriff's office, it would say state supplemental pay. So what is that for, though? It's supposed to be for them to do police work on state highways Oh, okay. but they never do that there i was like us oh, for the state call the state <laughs> so they earn their states up by calling us and telling us it's for us there you go fuckers but let's get back to sir damon so you're in um where were you where, where were you working when um man what was uh what was that hurricane before Katrina? Shit, I don't remember. Oh there was one right before. <sighs> yeah, it was one right before. They said, oh, it's going to be bad. Everybody needs to leave and nobody left. Oh, and then, yeah, then nothing yeah. happened. Yeah, we, yeah. Dude, we had a huge barbecue that year. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know, the SWAT team, we... on. on the- we had this one guy, I'm not going to say his name, his real name. His name was uh, 
Frankie. He was like the barbecue master. So like whenever we had a hurricane or whatever, you know, the rest of us would be on the street and Frankie would be on the grill. So when we came back, we ain't good. <laughs> Damn. I'm talking yeah. about. Dennis, Emily. You don't know. Same year. I'm looking you got up. the internet over there. You can't even figure it out. I'm asking if they ring a bell. That's crazy. But anyway. So whatever it was it was whatever it was before Katrina shit. What letters before Katrina shit? <laughs> L? What was it? L? It, it said Dennis and Emily. They don't go in alphabetical order. No, that's not alphabetical. Yeah, hurricanes they, go in alphabetical order. Yeah, they order, do. So they alternate right. uh, boy girl names. Was it Irene? Uh. Oh, wait. Mm-mm, that's not no, what it was. It had to start with a J. It had to start with a J or I. Was it Jose? Why has it got to be a Mexican? It was either Jose or Irene. I don't remember which one it was. So, what was your um, the most hairiest moment as a uh, NOPD officer? The one where you thought, oh man, a bunch I, of them. I might have to shoot this motherfucker or he about to shoot me. Well, I've had a, I've had a couple of shootings, you know, so I'm not going to get too much into those for civil litigation purposes. Damn NLPD. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but I actually, I can, I can talk about one because I got a, I got an award for it. Um, it was after Katrina. Uh, don't tell that one yet. Save it. We're going to tell Don't that. save it. Okay. After but, Katrina. Uh, yeah. You ever but, uh, had, were you ever on a stop where you're like right before it? Like, say, it was one of those situations where something went down, like, where you knew it was going to happen or where you caught off guard? No, you know what? One thing about, I can honestly say about the guys when I went to the SWAT team who were all senior to me, those guys, I mean, we trained every Tuesday and they kept you on your toes. And the thing about it, they they taught you different things. So you were always prepared. And that was one thing they always taught you to always stay on your toes. And he told you mm-hmm. to treat every, to treat every stop. Like this person is going to take your life. Once you find out this person is not going to take your life, then then you bring it down and you just be civil with the person, you know? Right. Because if, if you get it, if you go into a stop, treating this person like they're Andy from Mayberry and then this person pulls a pistol on you, it takes more time for you to get to that, that, that survival instinct to draw your gun and shoot him to where you're already seconds behind him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you're always at that, so if you're always at that level of preparedness, like this guy's going to take my life. And if he comes out, guess what? You're, you're one tenth, you're half a second, you're one second ahead of him to where you can win that fight. Cause every night, you know, I went to work, you know, I went to work, you know, to win. But you know, the the public, the public perceives that as, as us being rude. That's what I get told a lot. I get a lot of complaints yeah, saying they, they I, I'm, I'm rude. Then when they go back, well, what did he do? They do. Well, it, it, he didn't really do anything. Well, what did he say? Well, it's not what he says. It's like, he was just like, you stand here. And he was just like, tell me what to do. And they're like, well, that's how traffic stops work. Controlling the situation. Yeah. 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 yeah the, the thing about it, but, you know, after like the stop is over. You know, what I found that I do is I, I talk to the people to try to relax them and everything. And they kind of understand after that. But you have some people, the criminal aspect of it, who don't understand it because they feel that they are always right and you shouldn't yeah. do what you do. You know, mm, but yeah. when you have somebody who's an honest, law abiding citizen, you know, after the traffic stop and you tone it down and you bring it down to the level and you start talking to them, they actually understand it. And, they, you know, and, you know, it was one thing that I actually like that our 
former police chief Ronald Surpass taught us was the seller stop to explain to the people why you're stopping and why mm-hmm. you're doing what you're doing. So that's yeah. that's one thing that you know we we use that you know people kind of understand. Once you once so that they you you know you really don't get complaints from it, you know, because they understand. Hmm. Right, and information is always good anyway. Communication. Um, and yeah, it is. Yeah. It is because you got to look at it like this. The thing about it, a lot of people don't understand what's against the law. So once right. you stop somebody and you explain to them what they did that's against the law yeah. and what else is against the law, then they kind of sit down and be like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then they appreciate you, you know, because like I tell people all the time, well, see, it's different. It's different when you are a Louisiana state trucker fucker and you go out here and got to give people <laughs> tickets all the time. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to do that. <laughs> I don't have to. You know, we don't have to do that. So. You know, we, you know, our thing is, it's, it's, it's all about educating the people. So sometimes everybody doesn't deserve a ticket. So you don't give somebody a ticket and you just educate them on what they did wrong, you know, and explain to them what's the thing to do right. They don't. But when you're a Louisiana state trucker fucker, (laughs) you got to give everybody (laughs) tickets. Cause if you don't give them tickets, you know what I'm saying? You're going to wind up, you're going to wind up in troop L some goddamn way. You know what I'm saying? First of all, that's illegal. Because um, you can't. And then if, and then if then make if, then make if you give in, people tickets because that's then illegal. You, then if you're black and you wind up in Troop L, that's like hell. If you're not from Troop L, you know what I'm saying? Shit, try being in Troop A and you work in Livingston Parish. What is Livingston? That's A or B. That's Troop A, but it's right there on the border with Tangy when you're going into uh, Hammond. Oh, that's where I got a ticket at. The dude gave me a ticket there. Or what if you want those poor is, is bastards that, that work up in North Louisiana? Is that walk where Walker, Louisiana is? Yeah, at? yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a ticket there. He, dude didn't care. I was a police officer. He was, he was oh. a real dick. He was a trooper? Oh. No, it was a, 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 oh. a Walker, Walker PD. Oh, man. Go oh figure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I ain't worked over there forever. Dude, when a dude found out I was a police officer, he looked at my commission. He looked at me. He's like he couldn't believe NOP had a black police officer. Oh, like, <laughs> like, have you been at a Walker? Come on. <laughs> dude, that place. I'd never go to that place again. Why not? It's not that bad. Living in Paris. Ain't that bad if you're black. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> go through this. Go through this shit. Go through this shit black. <laughs> oh, well, I look Mexican, so. Nah, That's why we got stopped all them times oh, when we yeah, went that, to uh, Texas. To I, ne- yeah, yeah, I never sure got did. stopped by myself. <laughs> Me and a black guy in the front seat, we got stopped like four times. Yeah. But then when he walked up and he realized you was a trooper, I was a police officer. He was happy as hell. Have a good day, guys. I knew two yeah, of them. That was too funny. So, where, um, what do you notice? Do you notice a big difference with, um, the new guys coming, coming on as, as far as how they approach police work than how we did when we first came on? Yeah, these these new guys come out, man. It's insane, man. These new guys come out and they approach this shit like it's a job. It's not a freaking job. It's a freaking career. You know, they approach it like 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 it's a it's a it's like Walmart, like it's Win Dixie or some shit like that. You know, they don't realize that this career that you've chosen to go into, you might lose your freaking life. You know what I'm saying? They don't understand that. They they approach this shit like it's a job. And if you look at these, I'm gonna call them millennials because that's what they are. They're millennials. If you look at them, 
if you if you ask them how many jobs they've had in their in their uh-huh. life, and let's say let's say they're thirty years old, College. they'll probably tell you they had like seven jobs in their freaking life because they never stayed anywhere too long. Because right. when they get somewhere and they, and somebody pisses them off or they're not happy, they quit and they go somewhere else. I mean, throughout my my life, I've had three freaking jobs. I had the Marine Corps, the Sheriff Department, the NOPD. I'm forty four years old. Yeah. I had three freaking jobs. You know what I'm saying? That's me. And the, and the majority of the guys we're getting in New Orleans now, we're getting these guys who are from up north and all these other places because mm. to be the police in these other places, you have to have uh, law enforcement experience or you have to have, you know, military experience. Mm-hmm. Or cause there's like a huge waiting list like Philly, New Jersey, New York, Chicago, all these places. So we're getting a lot of influx of these guys from up there. They're coming down to New Orleans. Like New Orleans is like the FTO program for the entire nation. So they come down here, they stay two, three years, and then they leave and they go back up to wherever they're from. Well, what's and, the minimum requirements to get on with NOPD? Um, it's a high school diploma. That's really it. I mean, what? at one time, yeah, at one time we had to, we had it to where you had that when, when Surpass was here, you had to have an associate's degree. God damn. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Jesus. I think most like uh, us, you got to have a, uh, either um, 40 semester, I think it's 40 semester hours of college or. <laughs> Four, Law enforcement. Four years on the road or uh, military with, um, yeah, yeah. with a discharge. Honorable yeah. Discharge. Yeah. What I said, it, it changed, but I mean, you still don't have that many people coming on without any college or anything with these new guys now mm-hmm. because the majority of people we get are from out of state. So they're coming down here with college, but they only stand for like two or three years and they're leaving. That's why we're still short. I mean, you got to think. We probably have a little over a thousand police officers, and that's counting. Well, I don't imagine it, it helps too much either when they get there and they realize the the extent of or the limitations they have on them because of the consent decree. Well, I'm not even gonna say it's that because that's all they know. They don't know any other part of police work. So when they come here and they face with the consent decree, it's not like they have to change anything or they learn anything differently. You, you feel what I'm saying? It's like it's learned it's learned behavior. If you're a child and your mama teaches you not to stick a fork in an electric socket, you're not going to stick a fork in an electric socket. Yeah, but they, mama, they, they probably have friends that are police officers in other places. And when they tell them, you know, the shit they have to go through, they're probably like, God, man, that's not how it works in every other department. Because some of the shit you were telling me is just ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. But, you know, majority of these guys just come here just to get the experience and everything, and they leave and they go to these other places mm-hmm. and just walk on as laterals. You know. Yeah, that's what's happening in Baton Rouge City. They're losing a lot of people. Yeah, we we. I mean, we had sixteen over sixteen hundred before Katrina. Now, like I said, we have if even a thousand now, and that's counting people that's out injured. You know, that, that's that's not counting people. How many did y'all have? Did y'all have? Uh, pre-Katrina on the road. Oh, 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 shit! I can't tell you on the road. I can only tell you total. Total, we had over sixteen, sixteen hundred. I would imagine a good number of those were probably at the districts, huh? Well, yeah, you got to think every district had. Uh, let me see. Every district had at least over a hundred and something people in each district, and you got to look. We got eight districts. You know what I'm saying? Jeez. And yeah. so. Now ain't they they pulling like people out of headquarters positions and having them patrol and shit? No, that was that was under surpass. They don't do that anymore. Oh, so they stopped doing that. Yeah, they stopped. Doing Is that, that why the response times are hours 
sometimes go uh, through shifts. Well, when they were pulling those people out of headquarters, whatever duties those people had, they were falling behind on their duties because even though you pull them out of that aspect of it, they still got to have two off days and they still got to be responsible for their duties, whether they work in victim witness registration, they worked in homicide, they worked in uh, white collar crimes, they worked in the evidence room or different things like that. They fell behind on their work, you know? Well, hell, the last time I was down there working, you know, we were working in the um, the French Quarter and the convention district or whatever and we would go 10-8 and they'd have calls holding from the beginning of the previous shift yeah it's like that in some districts it's like that in like the seventh district which is new orleans east you might get that in the fifth district which is like the ninth ward the lower ninth ward the seventh ward you'll get that in those districts or the first yeah, district you know that's crazy yeah i mean it's i mean you got to look at it like this rob you got three shifts if your day shift comes to work and they have only three people at work because somebody called off sick, somebody's in training. <laughs> so you'll have shifts in a district with only three people? Yeah, sometimes you have three to four people because you got to understand yeah. something. You got you got your mandatory uh, yearly in-service where you have to go, you know, a whole week to do in-service. And then outside of in-service, you know, you might have to go shoot. You might have to go drive. You have to do first aid. If you have a patrol rifle or a shotgun, you have to go shoot that. So that's another five days that you're out the district. And then not even on top of that. I mean, think about if you have annual, if you and your family going on a vacation, you know what I'm saying? And then you have some officers that sick. So some days you might get three to four officers, you know, on shift in a district. And I mean, it's, it's sad, but I mean, that's just the way it is. We just, just don't have the manpower. What's the normal, uh, manpower for a district on it one shift well i mean it's not normal well i mean, I mean what should it should be what's the standard i can't we, we really don't have a standard i should say we don't have a standard but you know every, well, if you're a sergeant running the shift what would be your what you'd like to have as far as oh my god you'd like to have at least 16 20 people a oh, shift dude wow. i mean because you have if you have 16 20 people a shift you know you could break them down into three platoons you see what I'm saying? And you could have uh, your eight-man platoons, your six-man platoons, and that way when, you know, one platoon is off, you still have 12 people at work. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, and you're and those, those you know, three shifts, they follow the same off days. So, I mean, that would be the perfect thing, but nothing's perfect in life, you know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes at the troop, uh, we uh, some nights we've had three, four people max to work eight par uh, nine parishes. Yeah, exactly. Y'all experiencing the same thing we got. You know what I'm talking about when it comes to in-service, it comes to uh, people being sick, people being injured, yeah. and people on vacation. I mean, well, it's just, our, our it problem is, is, is we got a shitload of people retiring, you know, it's, mm. it's, 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 that, it's that time. And so oh, that's right, because y'all had that big freeze under Jindal. Well, yeah, and so it's, you know, everybody did their three years to get their pay up from the, from the um, pay increase. And so now everybody's retiring. We had a bunch of lieutenants retire, a bunch of sergeants retire. So a bunch of people got promoted. A um, bunch of people are leaving headquarters. So it leaves positions open. But now we're having a hard time trying to catch back up. It's not that we don't have applicants. We have shit ton of applicants. But we don't mm -hmm. have the money to run the fucking academies. Wow. So, but, but, you know, and that would, that comes from, you know, when Jindal had that freeze, that kind of messed over y'all, just like when Surpass had that freeze, that kind of messed over us with NOPD as far as with the applicant pool and trying to sit up here and fill up these vacancies with everybody retiring and leaving the job, you know, with the attrition rate. Well, yeah, I mean, and then you can't have enough academies in a year to, to catch up because you can only no, got never, so many academy can. personnel and you can only put so many people there at one time. 
So yeah, and then and then even even what you put in three four academies a year, you got to think you still got people retiring every year through the attrition rate. Well, yeah, then your academies eighteen whatever fuck it is twenty something weeks long. Then they get out and they're on another. I think it's thirteen weeks FTO. So it's a while before they get cut loose. And you actually have the manpower because yeah. when they're on FTO, then you're taking up. You got two bodies because you got an FTO that's not doing any fucking thing but sitting in the passenger seat, you know, riding with a rookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everybody's feeling the burn. You know, JP's feeling, Jefferson Parish is feeling the burn. Y'all feeling the burn. We feeling the burn. Every parish in the in the state is feeling the burn as far as attrition rate. You know. Well, I, I think it's 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 a combination of things. It's the uh, people retiring out, not enough academies, and then the the climate of police work. I don't think many people want to be the police anymore. I saw yeah, a, you, I saw a study where um, um, they did like sixty percent of the people um, were not interested in being police officers. Yeah, I mean it's it's different now. I mean when we were growing up, you had people who wanted, grew up want to be firemen, want to be police, want to be in the military. Now you have these guys growing up, these motherfuckers growing up, they want to be freaking rappers. <laughs> it don't Social shit. media influencers. You know yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like, play video they, they games. Go, they go to the freaking studio and like they get yeah. a, a fucking W2 from the fucking studio or some shit. You know? They want to <laughs> fucking yeah, start podcast crazy. and shit. Right. Yeah, fucking dummies. Like, right. Be yeah. famous. That's right. It's like, I tell a lot of people, don't, don't raise, don't, a lot of people who are not police officers, just say, I, I tell them when I meet them, you know, in the community, when I'm at work, I tell them, don't raise your kids up to, to play sports and don't raise your kids up to to uh, be rappers and entertainers, basically entertainers. I say, why don't you raise your kids up to be doctors, to be lawyers, to, to shoot for the stars, you know what I'm saying? So they can yeah. actually benefit from that. But, you know, in New Orleans, you have a lot of people, they're always raising their kids up to be you know, entertainers, whether it's the sport industry or it's the uh, TV or, or radio industry. Well, you that's know? that's what they, I mean, that's what they see. I mean, look, like, you know, all the famous fucking rappers that come out of New Orleans, that, that's yeah. who they want to be like. They want to be like Lil Wayne. They want to be like, you know, Birdman. They want to be, they, that's who they want to be like. That's more cool than being a fucking doctor, you know, yeah. as far as they're concerned. Yeah. They're more fun, it looks like, anyway. And yeah. then if you, it's like a lot of um, no emphasis is placed on education. If you exactly. are educated and you talk educated, uh, you get made fun of. Oh, dude, dude, let me tell you a story about that. When I came home from California back to New Orleans, oh my God, people told me, "Why are you talking so white?" <laughs> because, because you know, I picked yeah. up the California. Um, dialect. Uh-huh. I'm not gonna say accent. I'm gonna say dialect. Were you Sean Kayan? Yes, yes. Because <laughs> it's 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 it, yeah. Exactly. I was Sean Kayan because it's totally different from New Orleans slang. So I was pronouncing my words correctly. I was using the correct pronunciation. I was, you know, I was putting all my commas in the right places. And people were like, "Why are you talking white? Why are you talking white?" But it wasn't that I was trying to talk educate. It was just that I was influenced by. Uh, um, uh, educated environment being in California that when I came home, it, it you know, it, it kind of grew on me, you know, it was crazy. Well, something that you said is what really strikes me is that you, they said, why are you talking like you're white? Why is white associated with being educated? You're just talking like you have an education. 
Yeah, you're just talking proper. You yeah, proper I mean that's, that's crazy to me that people. But you, but you know, that's like, but you gotta look at it like this. Well, that's the label it. put on it. You're talking white. Yeah, but you gotta look at it like this, Robert. If you came to New Orleans, you were talking proper. They would assume you were number one, the police or a tourist. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I'm saying. You couldn't, you couldn't be a police officer undercover trying to buy dope. <laughs> you know what, what I'm saying? What if I was just a really nerdy white guy that wanted some marijuana? Well, the, you know what? Now, now, yeah, absolutely. Back then, nah. <laughs> yeah. So, where were you? Let's say we knew Katrina was coming. Like, uh, shit. About a week out, it was where we're going to get the the good side of the storm. Right. Like it was going to miss going, New Orleans. It was going to Panhandle, of right? Florida. So, what what was your frame of mind? You like, okay, it's going to miss us. We can stand down. What what was going on with NOPD at that time with yourself? Well, well, actually, we, you know, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this because the 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 administration from then is gone. So I can say what the hell I want to say about that. <laughs> they were not prepared. They were not prepared about that. I was on a dive team with NOPD. Mm-hmm. We had three. We had three freaking Zodiac boats. Three freaking Zodiac boats. One had multiple holes in it. We were not freaking prepared for for anything dealing with that. And really? it's crazy. Yes, it's crazy because New Orleans is below sea level, but we mm-hmm. dodged so many we dodged so many bullets that nobody expected it to be, you know, that bad. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, we had and levees and pumps. Well, set it up for everybody who doesn't know. Like New Orleans is called the Crescent City, right? So mm-hmm. New Orleans is surrounded on all sides by water, shaped like a bowl, and it's in a bowl. It's in the bottom yes. of a bowl, below sea level. Yes, yes. Right. very right. much so, and so. The state and the Army Corps of Engineers constructed levees and pumps to protect the city from heavy rains or um, or hurricanes. If it was too much rain, we could just pump the water out, put it on the other side of the levee, and we'd be fine. If it was a hurricane, not a problem. The levees would protect us. We'll be fine. So they, it, they come up, and then all of a sudden they say, all right, well, Stand by, fucking hold on to your butts because the hurricane is going to hit New Orleans. So, what was it like? As you know, you get a couple hours out before it makes landfall. What are y'all preparing for? What are y'all doing? The department as a whole. Well, I can't really tell you what the department was doing because you know, like I said, I was on the I was on the SWAT team at the time. I was with the attack unit. But what was the word that was coming down? Let me tell you, we didn't know it was going to be this bad. You know. I don't know if a lot of people know the meteorologist Bob Breck. Bob Breck, and there was this guy before him named Nash Roberts. If Bob Breck or Nash Roberts told you something, it was the law. It was really going to happen. So you believe whatever they said. If anybody else told you something these other meteorologists had, it was full of shit. But let me tell you something. When Bob Breck was on the news, I remember looking at the news, and Bob Breck was like, Oh, it's coming. It's going to be this. It's it's the end of days. And you see Bob Breck all like frustrated. His two pairs like turned to the side. That's <laughs> that's that's when I knew that's when I knew this shit was going to be bad. I'm seriously. But no one if, else if was Bob, taking him seriously. Yeah, yeah. If Bob Breck was, was seeing this shit and you're right. Nobody said when Bob Breck said that shit, I knew this shit was going to be fucking bad because Bob Breck and Nash Roberts was never wrong. And sure enough, you know, we had Katrina. It was bad. And I mean, um, the day uh, Katrina hit that night. So the day before Katrina is funny because uh, y'all have uh, y'all have the escorts, right, Rob? Mm-hmm. With the troop. 
We have details. So I was working a detail early that morning at the Lowe's on Elysian Fields. And, you know, they had the forklift stuff. They was putting stuff up and everything. I was just sitting there making money. They were closed. It was a good deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, went to work. And then they said, look, we're going to be in this hotel downtown. So, we, you know, uh, we were at 1700 Moss. That's where the SWAT team's headquarters was at. But we they put us at these hotels on uh, downtown. And so we at this hotel and everything. So um, before Katrina's coming, we, there's this ball. It's called, I'm going to say the name. It's called Johnny White's. We were at this ball. We were getting blasted at this ball. <laughs> get drunk before Hurricane Katrina came. I mean, well, I'm drinking cops shit. Before never, Hurricane comes. Let's <laughs> get drunk. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking shit I've never drunk before. I'm like, man, shit, if it's coming, it's the end of days. I might as well drink some shit. I'm drinking freaking Jaeger bombs. I'm drinking this. Now, that's this some shit, white this, people shit right dude, there. What, what, what is this black beer called? Uh, Guinness. Uh, Guinness. I'm drinking Guinness with car like bombs. Some sh- yeah, that's it. Irish car bombs. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm drinking that shit. I'm getting pulled the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, fuck it. If I'm going out, I'm going to like a freaking fight. Let me drink this shit. You know what I'm saying? So we drink and drink and drink and toe up. So we go back to the hotel and then I guess Tr- Katrina made landfall. So I'm in my freaking bed and you hit this shit, dude. It's it's insane. And if you've never, you know, if you never lived through a tornado or i'm not gonna say tornado because i've never been to a tornado but if you never lived through a hurricane you would never understand the shit say man try sitting in a a crown victoria when it's coming that's where i was you were in the crown you you were on the street yes i was in a freaking hotel i was in a hotel dude and i was in my bed laying down and it sounded like a freaking freight train was passing. The whole hotel was shaking. The glass blew out my room. I rolled onto the floor. And it's just, you just, the wind's coming in. The rain's coming in. It sounded like a freight, freight train. I just covered myself up. I said, the hell with it. You know, I'm a Marine, bro. We can go to sleep anyway. <laughs> I went to fucking sleep. <laughs> yeah, you know I can believe my, it. My, you know, my attitude with this shit was. Wake me up die? when it's going. Why, yeah, yeah. Why die? Why die excited? I might as well die comfortable. So I went the fuck to sleep. I'm a Marine. You know, I slept through worse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, that was my attitude. And and I think the Marine Corps kind of had me prepared for Katrina because of the the trials and tribulations we went through in the Marine Corps. It didn't have nothing on Katrina. It was like, okay, now I really get to do my job. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, I mean, this is, it was like, this is what I came on the job to do. This is why I'm here. Well, not, if, not- if you go back and watch the media, if you remember, they were talking about all the people that were left stranded. But what they don't tell you is there were many attempts made to get people to leave the fucking city. Right. Well, well the problem with that was so many times people left the city based on uh based on the news and based on the city government telling them to leave and people broke in their house stole their Mm -hmm. stuff so now these people like i'm not leaving this time i'm not letting nobody steal my stuff and unfortunately like bob breck said (laughs) it was the end of days well you know the national media though made it out to be like we just didn't want to help anybody in new orleans because it was all black people yeah that's what that's what it always is it's always that they always try to sit up here and, you know, make everybody look out like we're bad and we're not doing what we're supposed to do. And, I mean, I know for a fact that we uh, the Beverly bus is ready to take people out of the city and just no one came. Yeah. No one we wanted had, to leave. I mean, we had shelters. We had the we had the Superdome. We had a lot of people in the Superdome. We had the convention center. I mean, yeah, nobody wanted to leave. But then after it came and people realized how bad it was, 
And then when the flooding started, that's yeah. when people really realized. Right. How bad right. It was. Well, let, let's get to that because w- what happened? W- Katrina hit and left, and it wasn't really. I mean, it was a hurricane. Right. Shit was tore up. Electricity was yeah. out, but nothing really happened that was terrible. Then the levee well, broke. Yeah. Well, well, the thing about it, what a lot of people don't know, we had different levees that broke. But when Katrina, when Katrina hit and she left, we had flooding already in the city because the city floods now today, which mm-hmm. is today is what April twenty sixth, you know, twenty nineteen on a Friday. If we have a bad rain today, parts of the city flood because it's just like the system underground is so freaking old nobody ever thought to update this shit you know what i'm saying yeah. well the pump still all the pumps still don't fucking work no i think with the last from what last, i understand uh, storm the last storm we had what a couple of days ago we had what 28 pumps and only 23 were working or something but i mean you can't you can't fold our current mayor for that i mean the problem is it go you, you need to go back two three mans for that shit because yeah. people would divert money to go to other places when they should have fixed that shit. Right. You know, a lot of people want to blame Mayor Contrail. Mayor Contrail is doing a great job. It's just the fact she just did not giving her, and I'm going to say this, Baton Rouge is not giving her the the assets she needs to sit up and do what she needs to do with the with the, with the city. It's You're like, referring for instance, to the state government. Yeah, the state government. For instance, um, when the Superdome was being built in the 60s, there was like a five a five cent or a 10 cent sales tax being put added to every hotel room in New Orleans that went to pay for the Superdome. You know, so once the Superdome was built, that five cent, that 10 cent sales tax that was added to that still is going to Baton Rouge ever since then. That was like 1973 when it was built. Wait a minute, so still Baton- going there? Yes, dude, dude. There was an article about this shit. So ever since like 1973, Baton Rouge has been getting like 19 million dollars, 20 something million dollars from the sales tax in New Orleans since 1973 that no mayor has ever thought to get back to New Orleans. So Mayor Cantrell is trying to get this money back from Baton Rouge to put into the infrastructure in New Orleans, but you got so many corrupt people in Baton Rouge oh, yeah. who are yeah. taking this money. They they fixing bridges, they fixing roads and all these other parishes that don't have no income. You know what I'm saying? And you got New Orleans that's 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 just bleeding from this shit because the money is coming from New Orleans. It's freaking insane. And they fighting this lady. You know what I'm saying? Well, they look, New Orleans they got some fucking taxes, though. What are they doing with those taxes that they got? Well, the thing about it, you got to look at it like this. And, I, and uh, I, I'm not sure exactly on the percentage, but Bro, every... There, there's a 16% fucking hotel tax. Just any time we go down there yeah, and a hotel. hotel. Yeah, but you got to say something. That money is what's going to pay for the Superdome, which was built since 1973. The hotel tax? Yes. That's that doesn't what it go was. to the city? No, it goes to Baton, that's what Baton he said, Rouge. Yeah. That money. And so it stays, stays in Baton Rouge? Yes, they do. Rob, they've been getting it since 1973. What? There was an article in the uh, the Where You At magazine with uh, Mayor Cantrell tried to get this money from Baton Rouge, but you got the governor and all these other people talking about, oh, she can't keep the French Quarter safe. How can we trust her with these this money? Dude, that's freaking insane, How man. Well, the French Quarter ain't oh. got nothing to do with her, man. Right. That's the fucking feds. You got to thank for that. Dude, 
new. It's freaking insane, bro. Baton Rouge is a soul trying to keep this money and won't give this lady the money she needs. To, what are they to, doing with to that do money? What she needs to do in New Orleans. Well, that's they're not little, spending it in Baton Rouge. They, like well, you said, they're on their pet projects. No, it's not spending in Baton Rouge. They take that money. It might go to all these other small parishes mm. that have no income whatsoever. Uh, Vermilion. Uh, okay. uh, out, yeah. Outside of the state Dispersing police. It. Okay. Going into these Going into these parishes, writing tickets. That's the only income some of these parishes have. Uh, it's the state police going out there doing lace and seat building and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's well, like it's like when well, we had the... Well, we like came we and the saved the French Bridge. Quarter. Y'all ain't seen me. <laughs> Hey, I seen the signs, goddammit. Dude, let me tell you something. <laughs> uh oh. I ain't gonna say nothing bad about the state police. I got some real good friends with the state police. Rob, you one of them. I'm not gonna say nothing bad about y'all. I applaud what y'all do. Y'all do a great job. Y'all do a hard job. It takes a real strong person to do what y'all do. You know what I'm saying? Um, and y'all do a great job. I'm not gonna say nothing bad about y'all. And that's all I'm gonna say about the trucker fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Trucker fuckers. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you're in your hotel room, you wake up. What the fuck do you think? Like, what's the first thing they tell y'all to go do? Dude, when I wake up, I'm like, man, fuck, I live through this shit. You know what I'm saying? So I get dressed and shit. You know, I brush my fucking teeth. Um, I go up in there and uh, our commander, our captain, we had captain at the time. Jeff Wayne, he's like, all right, look, we're going to, all right, look, we got some police officers who are stranded. And we're like, wait, stranded? He said, yeah, uh, apparently the levees breach here, the levees breach here, and it's flooding. I'm like, flooding? I'm like, shit. So he puts me on a, a team. It's me and two other guys. I'm not going to say the names. One guy, I'm going to say Mike. Another guy, I'm going to say Chad. We're assigned to go to New Orleans East on one of the Zodiacs to pick up uh, police officers who are trapped inside their homes. So we have a five-ton truck from the National Guard that we already had. We throw the Zodiac on the back. Uh, we're going. We're going there. We get in our um, Chef Highway, which is Highway 90, wasn't flooded uh, going out there. Um, so we get there, and once we get to, like, New Orleans East, you see all the walk. From Chef, it's, like, uh, uh, knee-deep, and then it just goes to, the like, you know, all the way to Hain, which is where Lake Pontchartrain was at. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you know, some of the water came over Lake Pontchartrain. That's where you had the breach and everything. So we uh, put the Zodiac in the water. And we actually, we had the Zodiac that had the holes in it. That was the one we had. So before we did that, we had to take a couple of scuba tanks, fill it up with air, you know, use some 100-mile-an-hour tape. And Well, some people don't know. 100-mile-an-hour <laughs> tape is like the grunts. It's like the military's best thing over duct tape. It can heal anything. You can put it over a gunshot wound. You could put it on a freaking airplane, a helicopter. You know what I'm saying? It's like the best patch for anything. So we put some 100 mile an hour tape on it, uh, use some uh, air, some scuba tanks to fill it up. And uh, we, we dropped the raft. We went out there. We rescued a couple of police officers who were uh, on their roofs and stuff like that. Once we rescued those police officers, you know, we then started rescuing citizens. We saw that were uh, trapped in their homes on the roof. We had one guy we saw, he was inside of a refrigerator that was floating with like a fence board paddling. You know, we rescued, you know, some people like that. We brought them back to Chef Highway. And, um, you know, that was it. I mean, the water was, a lot of people don't understand where the interstate was at is like the lowest point. So the water that ran across, you know, it went all the way to Chef and then it leveled mm-hmm. out 
under the interstate. So when we went under the interstate, I literally stood up in a boat and I could touch the bottom of the interstate. And that was at um, Reed and I-10. So if you're at Reed and I-10 and you look up, just think about how high the water is. I'm 5'10", and I stood up in a boat and touched the bottom of the freaking interstate in the boat. That's how high the water was. Now, I know when, when we came, came, we would you, we could get to Troop B uh, from the interstate. It wasn't underwater. But in order to get into the city, we had to uh, get off and take 90 and then come across the... Uh, yeah, Booty and all that. Yeah, come yeah. across the Crescent City. Yeah, you had to go through Booty and because uh, I don't know where it was underwater at, but it was apparently I ten was underwater. Some yeah, I ten I ten was underwater at airline, not, not at airline, right at uh, not L, at the at the J P Orleans line. You know what I'm talking about, Rob? Mm-hmm. Right there, what? Yeah, it was underwater right there. Where it's on the ground? Yes, where it's on the ground because you know you got the 17th Street Canal yeah. right there. So all that all that was flooded underground. So that's why everybody had to come through like booty and all that through US nine to come across the GNO to get to the city. Well, I remember coming over the Crescent City and you get off on that first first exit, you know, it's right there by the World War Two Museum and all that shit. Mm-hmm. You go Keith. Yeah, you go up by the Superdome right there. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm telling you, I had never seen some it looked it was just very apocalyptic the way everything looked. I had never seen New Orleans look like that. It, nah, looked like, it, was, it looked like something out of a fucking movie. No, you know what it looked like, Rob? Remember Somalia when we went to uh, Mombasa? It, it looked worse. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. Oh. It looked like it looked like somebody destroyed Mombasa. That's what it looked like. Somebody destroyed Somalia. That's exactly what it looked like. Because it looked like it, it literally, it literally looked like the end of days. The city. Yeah. I that's mean, what Bob Brex said. I'm I'm in a fucking Chevy Impala. And we come off of the the off ramp, and there's water. And they're like, "Oh no, you can drive in; you'll be fine." The water was touched the bottom of the boot on that Chevy Impala, that sticker of the boot. Oh. I mean, it was how water didn't get in the car. I don't know, and how the car made it through there. I don't know. But I remember we were taking buses in to the Superdome, loading them up, and then escorting them out. And we did yeah. that all day, all night. We did that. Yeah. Take yeah. buses in, take them out. Buses in, take buses out. Yeah, it was insane. Some people don't understand, and some people just think people over-exaggerated the extent of Katrina. I mean, no, it was. I mean, because there were you pull up in front of we pulled up in front of the Superdome, and there were just fucking people everywhere. Yeah, I mean, people on the sidewalks, people sitting on fucking boxes. I mean, wanting food, wanting water. I'm like, I don't have any water. I don't have any food. I mean, it looked like a fucking a war had like a nuclear war had just happened. Well, I mean, New Orleans yeah. lost half their population or over half. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That's, that's, I mean, that's a lot of people like just like that. That's crazy. So yeah. what, what, were, what was your first experience with any crime that started taking place? Well, um, we, after we, uh, uh, discontinued rescue operations, we started having people that were taking like pop shots at, the police, they were taking pop shots at uh, the, mm-hmm. the rescue helicopters and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know. And then we had the the, the, the huge looting problem that was going on Canal Street. Now, I mean, we're not talking about food. No, oh, they were right, looting. Right, no, no, yeah. no. Hell you no, taking food. food. No, no. That's not looting. No, no, yeah. That's surviving. No, right. Let me tell you something. You had people who were breaking into Walgreens not to steal food, 
not to steal diapers or, or feminine projects or other things like uh, feminine products or stuff like that. They were breaking into Walgreens to steal, like, uh, to get into the pharmacy, to steal Oxycontin, mm. Oxycodone, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And then you have people who were breaking into Atlas on uh, Canal Street, which is a big Rolex in, in jewelry place and stuff <laughs> like that. The Foot Locker was fucking yeah, the devastated. Foot locker, yeah. You know what I'm saying? They they weren't they weren't trying to steal stuff to TVs survive. from Walmart. It was yeah. it was insane. You know what I'm saying? And you know it was just insane, man. It's yeah. like you just saw people at the lowest, and like, okay, you're stealing a I guess back then 42 inch flat screen TV. What the fuck are you gonna plug this shit up at? Dude, we had no power. power. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. You're still in a fucking Rolex watch. So you're wearing wet tennis shoes, wet shorts, a wet yeah. shirt. You're tired, but you got on a motherfucking $25,000 Rolex watch. You know what I'm saying? Really? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was insane. I remember all the fires, though. Or, or the fires? Fire, yeah. Or I guess, well, the oil. Was it the oil? Um, Saddam like, Hussein was blowing up all regions. No, they were exploding. So buildings, I guess. No, no, no. The thing about it, I, I can't, I can't, I can't say what. Put it like this: I can only assume what happened. But after Katrina, a lot of people realized their loss, and they didn't have flood insurance. So you had a lot of fires mm. break out because they had fire insurance. Mm. But because I can't. It'll cover can't, a fire, yeah, but not a flood. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure some people utilize that part of their insurance clause. A lot of cars got flooded that shouldn't have been flooded. Yeah. So yeah. you know. So did you have to go and and commandeer any um? cars from like the uh, car lots because i know there was a lot yeah. of um nop guys that we were working with had to go take car lots from like benson's fucking car lot just to work nah man let me tell you uh, we were on a SWAT team we were smart we parked all our vehicles in an elevated parking garage mm-hmm. so yeah. you know what i'm saying uh, we had a great captain i must say his full name captain jeffrey Wynn. We, our lieutenant was Lieutenant Dwayne Sherman, and they were very good at what they did. And we parked all of our vehicles in elevated parking garages. Smart. And then we went yeah. across the river after when it started flooding. We didn't lose any vehicles. Now, we lost two cowards on the SWAT team who deserted, but we didn't lose any vehicles. So they left? Oh, yeah, they deserted, man. Look, I'm going to tell you a story real quick. This is probably three weeks after the storm. And so we had a, we got a, um, a letter or email saying, you know, be on the lookout for any NOPD police cars. Mm -hmm. If you see them, pull them over, identify them, get with headquarters and make sure these people are, because apparently a lot of the officers, like he said, deserted and they took that their fucking the cars and left. I remember that. So I'm driving down Airline Highway right there by I-12. And lo and behold, I see a NOPD unit come out of the the um, Holiday Inn right there. So I pull it over. Gentleman gets out. I say, hey, man, look, I need to see your ID and everything real quick. I need to identify you. He's in his NOPD uniform. And he's like, well, what for? I'm on my way to work. I was like, well, look. I got to do my job. They told me to pull over any NOPD cars and identify the personnel in them. Oh, 
I ain't got time. I'm, I was like, look, you're not leaving. So you just give me your shit. <laughs> he gives it to me. Long story short, he deserted. Oh. Had taken the car and left. Hadn't been back to work in weeks. Uh-huh. And I had to, another, uh, I think it was a sheriff's officer, showed up and um, drove the NOPD unit back to headquarters. And uh, I took the officer back over there. They ended up taking like his gun and badge and his uniforms and everything from him. And uh, I don't know if he was charged with theft of the car, but, you know, that, that shit really happened. Like, they just fucking like, I'm leaving. Well, the thing next. about it, and I can honestly tell you this about some people, you know, if if you are properly trained, when your leadership breaks down, you're going to resort back to your training like we were trained in the Marine Corps. And the problem with NOPD, what we had at the time, you had a lot of officers who were not built for the life of being a police officer. And when their leadership let them down, they deserted. Well, Plain and simple. also, but how can you leave your, your brothers and your sisters when you know they're still back there doing what they're easy, supposed to be doing? Rob, easy, because those people were not built for that life right. of being a police officer. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. I couldn't so, have done that so, shit. So if you have somebody who, 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 who uh, sneaks through the ranks of the academy and become a police officer, they never drew their gun, they're a coward, they're scared as hell, mm-hmm. and it just makes it day by day. And then Katrina comes yeah. to where they got to sit up here, reach down, grab a hole, and check their balls to see if they still there do their job, and they don't have no balls, that's the ones that desert. We had an entire, we had an entire district that left the city and went to the Baton Rouge State Police barracks and, and, and took showers and shit while everybody else was sweating in dirty clothes. Mm, did they come back to work? Yeah, eventually some of them came back. All of them didn't come back to the city. But that was on order by their, their captain. You know, mm. they lost it. Their entire district was underwater. And instead of them going hold up somewhere else, they just, you know, we're going to Baton Rouge. They went to Baton Rouge. See State y'all Police later. They, you know, yeah, exactly. They stayed there for a couple of days, took a shower, got some hot food. Some of them came back. Some people like, no, we're not coming back. We're scared. You know what I'm saying? It's, and the thing about it, but the thing about it at at that time, the the uh, leadership we had after it was over, they didn't try everybody fairly, and I think that was wrong because you know with the police also bill of rights, if you're going to charge somebody for something, you have a certain deadline. You, mm-hmm. you feel what I'm saying? And what they did was they put all of their friends in the back of the hearing, so when it came time so for their quote unquote friends, exactly, they were past the the days for the police officer bill of rights deadlines wow. to get the issue. I mean, we've actually had people who deserted, who came back and they, they've been promoted to sergeant, lieutenant and all that yeah, shit. Well, that was the next saying. question I was going to ask yeah. you. If, if, they, if they took back the people that deserted. Oh, yeah, they did. They, they mm-hmm. took some of them back, bro. It's sad. But yeah. one thing about it, a lot of people, we don't forget. So mm. you, you may think, you may think everything's scot-free. But the, some police officers, we don't forget. They walking you know, around smiling like they Joe shit the best policeman, huh? Yeah, exactly. But like I said, crazy. we don't forget. When, what was the? When was it? When did you first get a break? When were you first able to take a shower and get some real Man. food? Well, what happened was we left that hotel. We went to Haven Elementary across the river in Algiers, and um, my lieutenant Dwayne Sherman, his brother who worked for JP was with us. He rigged up a washing machine with the water system. He also rigged up a shower 
with the water system, you know what I'm saying, with a sprinkler. Mm -hmm. we, we put up some tarps. And it was cold water, but at least, you know, we got to wash our ass, wash our clothes, right. you know. And we had some generators running electricity. So that was, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, but coming from the Marine Corps, dude, it's kind of like, this is what I came on this job for, you know. Hmm. Hold on one second. With you, because your credit, your credit score didn't go down, right? Is it? No. Is it? <laughs> so he's going to he's gonna stay with you as low as your credit score is. That's up. right. That's right. <laughs> so you had to take a cold shower during yeah, the training. Yeah, cold showers. Man, hot water, dude. I was on the core. We was on the ship. What the fuck is? Who needs hot water? I didn't want any fucking hot water because dude, dude, I didn't dude, have I electricity at my house for like three weeks, and um, I would go, I would go home. Um, the family at the time was staying with the sister-in-law, so I would go home, get off because I was stuck on straight nights. I'd go in, take a cold ass shower because it was fucking hot. I'd take a cold shower. I'd be fucking sweating again before I got dressed. I'd go out and sleep in my fucking car underneath the carport with the air conditioning on. Well, dude, I was, you know, being in the cold when we was on a ship, dude. Nobody wanted to take no fucking hot shower. I took a cold shower. It cooled you off. It woke you up. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, hot shower really didn't do shit for me, dude. I'm, I'm going to tell you, the, the most important thing to me and um, I can tell anybody this was the fact that I just had water to drink. And, you know, you learn that when you're in the Marine Corps, the most precious thing in life is just it's just water. It's just potable water, water that you can drink. And as long as I had that, I was good. You didn't want I mean, I, no, I mean, I lost my house and everything. I mean, but it is what it is. It's material shit. So where was your house? That house? It was, at? It was off Elysian Fields on Madrid Street. How much water did you get? I uh, got water up to my roof. Damn. So whatever I had in my attic got wet. So when did you first get to go home and check on? Hold on a second. So when when were you first able to go and uh, check on your house? No, there was really no going home checking on my house. I knew how bad the water was. So I knew where I lived at. Well, when did you flooded. first get to go see it and like actually see the I, devastation? No, I didn't even get the. I didn't even go see it because I, I'm just hearing stories from people and looking mm -hmm. at everything. I just knew how bad it was. It, I, mean, it, I mean, it wasn't. Did you I have, have, to did you have flood audit, insurance? You know? Yeah, I had flood insurance. Oh, you straight, except yeah. for losing yeah. all your personal the, stuff. The, the, the thing about it, what what I lost the most, which which really hurt me the most, was I lost all of my Marine Corps stuff. Oh. You know, I lost my dress blues. I lost all of my pictures. You know, I lost my uh, honorable discharge paperwork. I lost, you know, um, I lost all my photos of my children. That's what really hurt me mm -hmm. more than anything. But just that I lost the stuff that I could never replace because I had like a big, you you in the cool with me, Rob. So, you know, I had that mm -hmm. binder with all of the photos we had from the squad base to the BQs, you know, to the second deployment to Somalia and everything. And I mean, that's just what hurt me most. I just lost memories. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you're not able to get that kind of shit back. No, you can't get it back. And even if you take those pictures somewhere, nobody could replace those yeah. pictures. So I mean you can replace uniforms, but they're not the uniform that you graduated yes, in. The they're actual not uniform, the uniform that, I, that you that went I to the put ball on. And I can't buckle the freaking shit up because I'm so fucking fat now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get my jacket. I look like that uh fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> it's fucking tight. I can't, yeah. I can't even close to getting that some bitch on. Yeah, my alphas and everything. I lost it. The only thing I really had was what I had in the trunk of my police car. I mean, I had a Tahoe at the time. I lost my Tahoe. Uh, 
The only thing I had was uh, I had a binder with my my DD two fourteen in it, my birth certificate, um, some of the paperwork from some of the schools I went to, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's really all I had, other than you know my my you know my police stuff. How long did it take for shit to get back to normal for you after all that? I mean, it's wow. Let me see. Nothing really got normal for me because in 2005, well, Katrina happened in 2005, so I didn't get a break on the SWAT team. We didn't get a break. There was a lot of people that got to go, like, people paid for them to, like, fly to Vegas for, like, mm-hmm. a vacation and stuff like that. The SWAT team, we never got a break. Nobody on the SWAT team got to fly to Vegas, got to fly to L.A. for a break. We worked 24 freaking 7. And um, I got a break in December. My, my, uh, one of my family members, uh, called, got, got word through the chain of command about my dad. My dad had had a stroke. So, uh, I flew to Virginia and my dad was in the hospital. My dad was suffering, my dad was suffering from brain cancer. And which I found out talking to the nurses, my dad had lung cancer. He never told nobody that he beat. Hmm. He had throat cancer that he never told nobody that he beat. And now finally, he had a stroke from brain cancer, and so I spent uh, about a week, a week and a half in um, Virginia with him in the hospital and everything. And I came back, and then that's when I found out my dad died. Uh, what was it? Uh, August first of two thousand six. I went back in April. My birthday was in April. I went back in April. Then I came back home. And I found out my dad died in August 1st from his brain cancer. I went back out there for the funeral. And that was really it, you know. So you weren't even able to be there because you had to come build, back to go yeah. to work and deal with I mean, I was, on, I was on the SWAT team, man. I mean, and the thing about it, guys on the SWAT team, I tell you, it was all about the guy next to you, just like in the core. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was all about the guys next to you. And that's how we were. You know, we worried about everybody else. We had guys who were away from their wives and everything. And, you know, we felt the pain for them. You know what I'm saying? Because we knew everybody's wife. We knew everybody's children and everything like that. Right. So was your mom in New Orleans uh, when Katrina hit? No, my mom had a house in Slidell. She lost her house. She was in Dallas at the time. My sister also lived in Slidell. She lost her house. They all went to uh, Texas. And after Katrina, they, you know, they just stayed in Texas. So they, they still in Texas. They're not coming back. My mom came back to her house. My sister stayed, my sister and my brother stayed in Texas. Hmm. Is that where you're going to go when you retire? Negative. I don't, me and my sister don't get along. That bitch is evil. <laughs> uh, let me tell you something. Well, I hope let me she tell you ain't listening. I'm going to say her name. I'm going to tell you like this. I'm gonna, I don't give a fuck if she listens. <laughs> Stacy Marie Harris. She is the most evil, conniving, <laughs> No good woman you will ever meet in your life. If you are a man and you meet her, stay the fuck away from her. She's a succubus and a freaking witch. <laughs> Three fifty. <laughs> so, well, golly, I guess that's a podcast for another day. Man, fuck that girl, man. She's what nine years older than me. Damn, dude, the only woman I've ever hit in my life. Not to get off subject, Rob. The only woman I've ever hit in my life was my sister when I was 16 years old. I got tired of her beating up on me and I beat the fuck out of my mama came home and beat my ass, you know. But that's the only woman I've ever put my hands on. Well, you and your mom get along, huh? No, I don't I don't really associate with my mom. My mom and my sister are like best friends, dude. Really? 
Yeah, me and my mom don't get along, bro. Well, who, well, who, who raised you? Your mom? Yeah, my mom. The Marine Corps raised me. I'll put it really? to you like that. The Marine, the Marine Corps raised me at seventeen and made me the man I am today. So, yeah. Were you close with anybody growing up in your family? Oh yeah, my nephew. Me and my nephew. Mm-hmm. I, I basically raised my nephew. Me and my nephew are jam tight. Me and my nephew, you know, and his kids and his wife, you know. That's about it. That's who you spend your holidays with? Oh, absolutely. When I got promoted to sergeant, my nephew was the only family member, blood family member that was there. You know, I mean, um, my wife now, who was my girlfriend then, she was there. And, you know, my Yeah, you got to clarify, you've had like 10 of them. I ain't had no ten wise asshole. (laughs) 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 I'm on my third marriage. I'm good. Uh, Me too. Third time's a charm. We're good. I always say, don't yeah. be a quitter. Exactly. <laughs> you keep going. Keep my, my thing is, my thing is, when you find when you find that one woman that puts up with your bullshit and she loves it, dude, you might as well marry because ain't nobody else out there. Well, she puts up. Well, I don't know if she loves it because every now and then she gets tired of it and she tells me about it. <laughs> well, but well, we know it ain't your credit here. score. The only reason why you married her is for her credit score. Fuck. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So Katrina was fucked up everything then, huh? Yeah, it destroyed everything, dude. It destroyed everything. That was the end of the NOPD as we knew it, too. Yeah, not really. Basically, that we, was we, the start of it. No, not really. We we still were able to be the NOPD we used to be. You know what I'm saying? I think well, it, it, it brought it brought the consent decree, or it brought the lens nah, that brought the consent nah, decree. Not nah, a consent decree. The consent decree came under uh, Mitch Landry because we had a couple incidents that happened during Katrina, right. which were misconstrued, which well, were misconstrued. Okay, which were misconstrued by people. Well, right, but and, the right people didn't st- stand up and say this is what well. it was. What really yeah. happened, they just said, oh, well, we'll do whatever you want. Well, Miss Landrew's problem was Miss Landrew came here and instead of Miss Landrew saying, evaluating the police department, he came here thinking he was going to get money from the feds. So he immediately said his like first two weeks, first month here, oh, this is the worst police department I've ever seen in my life. We need a federal consent decree uh-huh. because he thought he was going to get all this federal money. Yeah. But then when he realized asking for a federal consent decree, hmm. the citizens of Louisiana pay for it. You know, is documented. He tried to back out of the shit. He and didn't know no, that. No, I mean, he late. didn't talk to his sister first, or talk dude, to somebody. Dude, his sister told him, "Don't ask for this." He's a freaking idiot, dude. I couldn't ever stand the motherfucker. I don't know how he got elected in the first place. I didn't elect him. I didn't vote for that dude. I live. I, live, I don't live in a parish. <laughs> that dude's a joke. I'm glad he's gone and his sister. Dude, I, you just don't understand, bro. Mm. It, it was like the. It was like a godsend. Once he, after his eight years, and he left, we're like, wow. And just having, you know, Mary Cantrell right now, bro, it's like, it's like night and day. This lady. Yeah, I didn't know much from, about her. I just heard no, no. she got elected. Yeah, she was on, she was on the city council. Um, She married our magistrate's son. That's where she gets the name Cantrell from. She's not from here. She's from California. Um, So you, she's not born and raised in New Orleans, you know, a New Orleans. But the lady is very smart. Very, very smart. Is she police she friendly? Um, I'm not. She's police friendly when we do our job, to yeah. which we have been doing our job, mm-hmm. and she loves us. I'm gonna put it to you like that. If we are wrong, she's gonna step on our neck. Well, no, of course. But I mean, yeah. you got some. I'll say, like the Baton Rouge situation. 
they totally, the mayor and all of them totally shit all over the police department down here. Yeah, well, I, and that's a, that's the crazy thing about that. I don't understand that with y'all even having Murphy Paul from the state police, a legend, and they shitting on him. I don't understand that shit. Dude, everybody knows well, he who was, Murphy he Paul was, is. He was her pick, so, I mean, she picked him, so she can't say anything. Um, my, my, the rumor is he's just waiting to be y'all's next chief. No, nah, he, he can't be our next chief because he doesn't mm. live in Orleans Parish. Not to yet. Run for, no, to run for mayor or to be elected for anything, you have to live in a city for a certain amount of years. I'm just telling you what the rumor is. Now, he might nah, eventually nah. move his ass over there, but I'm telling you that's because nah. from what I understand, he, he's from there or has ties there. And that's what I'm being told by people that I know that work in that department. Nah, Murphy um, Paul. Murphy. Uh, Let me tell you something. Murphy, nah, nah. Let me tell you something. No, let me tell you something. The the pick the mayor has, Sean Ferguson. Sean Ferguson is gonna be here until the mayor leaves. Sean Ferguson came from the bottom. He went, you know, he started from the bottom. He made his way to the top. He was in homicide. He was the the exo of the second district. He was a CEO of the. He was a commander of the fourth district. Commander of the second district. I mean, he's he's very good. The people love him. I mean, he was a very good pick. Every police officer respects him. You know what I'm saying? And I think out of anybody that was with NOPD, she made the right choice by picking Sean Ferguson for the job. I don't think Murphy Paul is a candidate for anything in New Orleans because a lot of people who are coming to New Orleans, a lot of citizens from New Orleans don't know who Murphy Paul is. All the people who know who he is is the people who. But he's not elected. He's appointed, right? Yeah, but you still got to get that feel from the citizens. If the citizens don't like the person that's being elected, they're going to bug back. You see? I mean, that's being appointed, they're going to bug back. You see what I'm saying? And with Sean Ferguson, he ran the second district, which is Uptown Broadmoor. All those voting citizens knew him. They knew of him. They've attended the meetings with, with the commander of the second district and the mm-hmm. exo of the second district. So they were real receptive to him. But if you're bringing Murphy Paul here, bringing Murphy Paul is like bringing an outsider. You got a better chance coming down here running for, uh, you know, getting the police chief spot. I don't know. I'm just telling you that. What I'm I telling heard. you. Let me tell you something. This is what I heard before. This is what I heard before they even picked Sean Ferguson. You know, I heard it was a, but you know, uh, a major season. Is that, am I saying Carl his name right? Carl Sazan. Yep. Carl Sazan. The mayor really loves Carl Sazan. He's he retired, his, though, I think. Huh? Wait, no, he's still here. I think he's about to retire. Oh, okay. I, I, have heard, his, I've ha- I have heard that, too. She was his pick if she was going to go to the state police. If she was going to go outside, it was going to be Carl Sazan. Because, you know, he was over troop in mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Yes. Yes. I've you know, but, but but she went she went to uh Sean Ferguson and I really think that was a great idea. He is let me tell you something, if you don't know him, he is mm-hmm. a great guy, real great guy, and a lot of people tell people all the time, let me tell you something. Um, if you go to college and you take English one, English two, and you have to take speech writing, you know what I'm saying, you'll understand it. Standing up and 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 doing um public speaking is one of the hardest things to do in life. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't understand that shit. And when I took speech writing, we had to write a speech, then we had to go in front of another class and give our speech. We had three people pass out at the podium, you know what I'm saying, from from giving their speech, standing up, doing public speaking. 
And I mean, I was real nervous. I was sweating and everything. It's one why of the hardest you, things to do. Why was you sweating? No, because you're not used to it, dude. It's, 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 it's hard when you're standing up giving a speech to people you don't know. And then these people shoot rapid fire questions at you. It was hard. And that's why I tell a lot of people, you know, a lot of people try to judge, you know, our current chief. Well, man, look, get over that shit. If you've never stood in that position, don't judge that man. The dude's doing the greatest job he could ever do. I mean, we stand behind him. He's a great, he's a great leader. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, that's all that matters as long as y'all like him. Yeah, we love him. Let me tell you something. Sean Ferguson needs to be here for the next 20 years. He's probably one of the best superintendents this department has ever had. And he's only been here what we in what uh april for four months he was better so, than uh than uh, what's the guy that just left what's his name mike harrison yeah yes <laughs> you were not a yes. fan was he yes was he better than the one before him surpass absolutely were you not a fan of who the guy that just left no we know he was a good guy i got nothing bad to say about mike harrison mike harrison's a good dude but you gotta understand something it's, 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 um, Sean Ferguson is from my era. If you understand, he's from our era. Mm-hmm. I should say, Rob, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I came on in 97. I think, uh, Ferg came on in like 98 or 99. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So he's from our era. Mike Harrison was from like the early 90s, late 80s era. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. So it's like you know this person. You've met him when y'all were patrolmen. He got promoted to sergeant. You knew him when he was in homicide. He got promoted to lieutenant. Oh man, congratulations! Yeah, it's kind of like a like a um, when he was that. And he, you know, a Mustang he never over in the Marine Corps. He did everything exactly. He did everything by the book. He's a he's a good dude, bro. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you like this: he's a real good dude. And I don't think there's anybody else on this police department that she could have picked to do the job of the superintendent, you know, better than him. Right. And I'm, I'm not trying to politic for the dude. I'm just telling you because. Does I he listen to this podcast? Uh, I hope he, he must. Cause you're <laughs> kissing all his ass. <laughs> Damn. No, it's, it's, no, it's not that, bro. It's, it's, it's like, Rob, look at it like this. You know me from the core, right? So just imagine if I became police chief, you know me from when I was nobody, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and that's the main thing. And I knew him when he was just a, a, a patrolman on the platoon. Hmm. And he came all the way up and he never stepped on nobody's toes. He never sliced nobody's throats. Right. He just did his job. And that's one thing the police officers like about him. So the fact that did the, he did never the mayor know him? Did his job. Is that why she picked him? It was I think she... I think she picked him because you got to understand something. She was the city council member of the district in the district where he was the, the, the commander of, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? So I think she got a real feel for him as far as being that district commander, how he uh, spoke at the district meetings, how he handled the crime in that district and different things like that. And that's where she got her trust in him from being a city council member. So when she became the mayor and she looked at everybody you had in the police department, she says, who do I have the most trust in to do their job? And I guess it was him from what he did when he was running the second district. Hmm. So yeah, we were looking up Murphy Paul is from New Orleans. I didn't know that. Yes, before our time. He's from the Lower Ninth. Oh shit, that's before our time. He did what thirty years with the troop. Oh, I don't know, but he's only forty-eight. So he mean he's around our age. Yeah. Yeah. It says that um he rose to the ranks um pretty quick. 
He was all at one time they was looked at to be superintendent, but he didn't get it. FBI mm. graduate. Well, they all go to the FBI academy. Yeah, they all oh, go. You that to the once oh, once they get command. Oh, command I interpreted rank. that as he. No, that's not the. He's not an FBI agent. It's a FBI command staff school or some gotcha. shit like that. All right. Yeah. Put you like just put you like April. If you want to be a police chief anywhere, you have to. Yeah. Have that. Oh, okay. And in any department, when you get what, make captain, SNP. I think they send you. Oh, okay. Yeah. SNP or what's the other one? Northwestern. You have to go to one of those three schools. Okay. If you want to be over, you know, if you want to be in command over anywhere. Yeah. Gotcha. Any captain with us. Any captain goes with us. That's what soon oh, they make captain. No. Nah. The last guy we had, his name was uh, Uther Sandifer. He just became a police chief. He's the last one we sent to the FBI. Captain. Oh, you don't get automatically sent when you make captain? Uh-uh. No, we don't. Because we don't. it's all about slots. Damn. Yeah, you only get so many slots for your department. So let's say NOPD doesn't get any slots that year. You see what I'm saying? Well, that's just because you're there. They wait for you to leave. They don't want you to go. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so how much longer do y'all have under the consent decree how long is that going on for dude this shit should have been over man well i can't i can't say anything bad about it but i'm gonna say it like yeah. this um put it to you like this rob you have a job right mm-hmm. and um with your job you make ten thousand dollars whenever you come to a place for a week right yeah now if you when you come to this place for a week you have a free hotel Free food and everything. Plus, you can come during Mardi Gras, Jazz Fest, <laughs> Essence Fest, Bayou Classic, Sugar Bowl. Are you going to give that shit up? They're using it as their personal um, timeshare? Vacation. They, exactly. So they keep finding things wrong with NOPD so they can prolong this shit. Who, no, that's Dude. ran by the Justice Department? Say again? Is that is that ran by the Justice Department? No, it's ran by a civilian law enforcement. I mean, a law agency. But who do they work for, though? I mean, I have no idea. Where do they I get can't their tell authority? You above it's... that, I don't. I don't. I have no idea. All I know is a civilian law, a civilian law agency under the Department of Justice that reports to the federal. federal so it lasts as long as they want it to last. It, no, we had a certain amount of years under compliance. But if we're not under compliance, um, they keep extending it for years. So they can just you say you're not in compliance. There's no standards that y'all can meet and say, no, motherfucker, we're in compliance. We met this standard. No. The it's thing just about totally it, they're arbitrary. The that, they're the ones that show the standards. You see what I'm saying? So, so it's all on them. Think about LAPD when they had the Rampart crash incident. You know what I'm saying? They were supposed to be under their federal consent decree for four years. They wound up being under their federal consent decree for 16 years wow. because they were not getting compliance with what these monitors wanted. You see what I'm saying? Damn. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's through, it's nitpicking petty shit, dude. It's like, uh, these people are, are sipping, look at well, some of our videos and say, oh, you, you patted him down. That was an illegal pat down, but you're like, wait. But I, he was under arrest. Yeah, but you patted him down, and you didn't indicate if he had weapons. You don't have shit. to. You can pat someone down for your own safety. But you, as no, long as it's outside they, of the no, clothes. Rob, no, 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 Rob. You know what they say that is? That's boilerplate language. You can't pat somebody down for officer safety. That's boilerplate language. The fuck you can't, Rob. I'm as long as you, you don't go in us. their pockets. Rob, I'm telling you what they tell us. They're full that's, of shit. That's boilerplate language. They look at your arrest warrants. 
you know, the rest warrant you do, the search warrant you do, that's boilerplate language. You can't say this. You can't say that, dude. It's no, like, they're full of shit. I pull motherfuckers all the time for uh, DWI, and, and I'll pat them down. Say, hey, you yeah. got any weapons on you? No. You mind if I pat you down? No. Turn around. Huh. But see, that's the thing. When we pull somebody over like that, you got to have a reason to pat them down outside of officer safety. No, you don't. All you need is reasonable suspicion. You don't even, need, law, pro- you don't even law, need probable you do. cause. By the consent decree, oh, does. my God. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's why it's ridiculous. It yes, basically ridiculous, makes it bro. impossible for you to police. That's why the exactly. crime has gotten out of hand in New Orleans. It's not because you ain't got enough police. It's because you won't let the police you got do police work. Yep, can't do your job. Then we That's got the problem. Strict, I don't care how many fucking pursuit. troopers you put down there. I don't care how many NOPD people you hire. It's not going to stop until you. it could go back to the way it was before the consent decree. Dude, you, you got to understand something. Y'all have, we have troopers down here. Troopers pull a gun out on somebody that they think is doing something. There's no problem with that. Whenever we pull our gun out and point it at somebody, that's a use of force. The sergeant got to come out and we got to do a use of force report, dude. It's insane, man. Jesus. It's insane. It's mm-hmm. in, you pull your gun out and you just point your gun at somebody. It's a use of force report. We you, got grab some, you grab somebody other than trying to handcuff them and they struggle and they and you know you take them to the ground that's a level two use of force hmm. ridiculous it's, it's, it, it is but i mean we got a guy that came from y'all he works at our tra- training academy now what's his name white guy i don't i can't remember his name you gotta remember their name if, if i don't know their name i can't Stocky see who the hell is. a lot dude. of white guys Shit. he's not a trooper though he works um he was hired. yeah 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 you're talking about travis st pierre Probably. He does a tasers. He does a tasers. Yeah, he does for use of force scenarios. And yeah, shit. yeah, that's Travis. Yeah, he was he was a reserve with us. He wasn't a, a commissioned police officer. He was a reserve police officer with us. Oh, and he uh he's the one that he's like really big with the taser company. He's a, how we got the tasers and the body worn cameras and everything. Oh, so um, he's he's yeah he he's knows somebody with, with the taser. Uh, he's like he's like the. The super, super, super taser expert. He, when I went to the taser class, he he's the one who taught it. Y'all got what the X twos? Yeah, but we're get, about yeah. to get the new ones, the X threes or whatever the fuck they are. Yeah, yeah. He turned he trained me on the X because we still have the X. Troop N has the new new ones. Okay. And we just got we got the body cameras about I don't know about ten months ago, twelve months ago. Yeah, body cameras are good, bro. I they're, like they're it. Gift, they're a gift and a curse. And I tell everybody that they're a gift and a curse. I mean, it's I don't a, care. You know, it's a gift because it it stops people from lying on you and everybody. Oh, they're still trying to lie. You know, it's a curse because it takes away our discretion. Oh yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, and yeah. I've had you, plenty of situations where um, I'm dealing with other people in the profession. And they're like, "Man, you can't." I'm like, "Nope." You see this motherfucking thing right here. I ain't about to lose mm-hmm. my job because of you. Yeah. Exactly. And especially when it's like being a supervisor, I have to watch all my guys' body on cameras. And I have to log it into this system on the L drive saying I watched it. I watched it from yeah, the use evidence.com. to the end on this thing. But then you have monitors who go back and watch the videos that I watched to see mm-hmm. if I let something go that I mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to see. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like I said, it's a gift and a curse. It takes away your discretion as, as a curse, but as a gift, it, you know, it, it stops people from lying on you, you know? Yeah. Well, you got just like, I don't have to write somebody a ticket if I don't want to, but, you know, some of the more egregious things, you can't just let slide no more. Motherfuckers well, get mad, I, well, too. I, but, I got one. 
Like, oh, well. I got the perfect yeah. thing for you. Domestic, domestic. Let's say, let's say a, a guy uh, gets his paycheck. He goes to the horse racetrack that we have on Gentilly, and let's say he bets on horses and loses all his money. He comes home, and his wife's like, yeah, where's your paycheck? And he's like, I lost it at the horse race. So his wife gets upset, and she goes off on him and slaps him or pushes him, whatever. The neighbor hears the shit. She calls the police. We get mm-hmm. there. And the guy says, man, look, I blew all the money at the horse racetrack. I came home. My wife was angry, and she slapped me in my face. Now that he says that is on camera, we have to take his wife to jail for domestic abuse battery. Yeah, you, know you have saying? to. Well, back yeah. in the day, we could say, look, my man, you fucked up. You need to square this shit away with your wife. Don't put your hands on him. Y'all settle us as adults and we leave and, and, and nobody goes to jail. Nobody has to find nobody out. But by us, by them saying that, we have to take her to jail. Mm-hmm. Now he has no money to pay the bills and she's got to get, get her out of jail. Yeah. So when she, so when she gets out of jail, she's going to stab this motherfucker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know well, and the, another thing is too with the videos is the, the courts, whether it's the judges or the, Defense attorneys or the prosecuting attorneys have become way too dependent on video. If they don't see it on the video, then it didn't happen. You know, that, that's, exactly. that's a exactly. real big problem. Real big problem. Exactly. Because some things, things you can't, to especially to if you're, you're dealing with, um, yeah. If, well, if you're trying, like with DWIs, you can't act all the time see things that I see in person on a video. And they're like, well, I don't see that. Well, motherfucker, I'm not lying. I can't help it because, yeah. you, know, you know, you're looking at it from a fucking one-dimensional fucking camera, you know. What are you pissing? What are you doing? I'm washing my goddamn hands. I was drinking. I spilled some on my hands, asshole. You fucking lush. You got drunk and spilt it everywhere. Are you jacking it? Asshole. If are you, you jacking it while my wife was... It? Are you jacking it while my wife was talking? Huh? No, I, when she's looking. I know how you black guys <laughs> like them snow bunnies. April, you heard about the black mamba? You, oh, you oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she likes her two inches. Oh, <laughs> she can't handle more Dude, than two inches. I listened to that shit the other day. Dude, I listened to that shit today, and I heard the two inches shit. Dude, we went all chicken. <laughs> I know I was listening to it when we were in uh, tech, uh, Mississippi when I was putting it together and I was laughing listening to it at the pool shit was funny dude, dude freaking hilarious dude yeah poor eat his own Chick wife, wife. Chick his was, wife is part of she was laughing again. she was laughing yeah, she too was laughing. I, but you know she beat his ass after he got off the freaking uh, the thing <laughs> she put some fucking boots in a pillowcase and laid into him that's what happened. Chicken, I know you're listening. This is for you, bitch. Did we yeah. take the turn? We took the turn already? We took, yeah, we took the turn. I have a question, though, Javon. What that, that picture that services on Facebook every now and then in the French Quarter with you and you have your uniform on and there's a ghost in the picture. Is that real? I have no idea. Somebody somebody sent me that. Oh, they sent you that. What are you talking yeah, about? I, I don't know if it's... It's crazy. It's right, right. That's a crazy picture, though. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Just doing sound effects. Was it a real ghost, Damon? Right, right. Was it a real ghost or was it a. 
Photoshop. Yeah, you're talking about when I was on Canal Street, right? Yeah, it's a cool picture. Either yeah, way. Mm-hmm. yeah, it is. I, I think, me personally, I think it was Photoshop. But shit, this is New Orleans. Who knows? There's That's right. Walking Ain't no damn ghost. Stop that shit. <laughs> you, you could not be more wrong. Exactly. Well, it's been, it's almost two dude, hours. We, dude, we're at an dude, hour What the hell's wrong with the minutes. video, dude? I don't know, you did that shit. You is pa- it working now? Yeah, you had paused it. No, nah, yours is frozen, dude. I can't no, see it. No, you was jacking it. And no, so dude, you, you're frozen. Hold on, I'm going to take bitch, a picture, dude. I'm going to show frozen. you you're frozen. I'm looking at mine. I'm moving. You got that shitty internet. No, you're not. Watch. I'm, you got fact, shitty, no, shitty Dude, I got 18 That's shit. I got that gigablast. No, What's I'm happening? doing a video, dude. Well, it's frozen on your end because you're moving and I'm moving on my end. No, your your shit's fucked up. You got that dookie internet. We've officially taken the turn. We took the turn. You got that dookie shit. Yeah, man. Fuck. There you go. <laughs> so, what else you want to know, April? Oh. What else you got? <laughs> what, else you, what else you want to know about Katrina before Katrina? Um, she don't know. don't know. Ask him some conspiracy theories. Oh, oh. No, nobody blew the levees. That's a lie. Nobody <laughs> George no Bush charges. hates black people. <laughs> nobody set no charges to the fucking levees. George nobody Bush blew did. the fucking levees. George Bush didn't do this shit. Yes, he did. <laughs> Blanco didn't do this shit. That's all fucking full of shit. Right. What happened was you had a you had a barge that somebody anchored in the industrial canal. When Katrina came, the barge that was anchored broke through the canal. It like broke through the canal in the lower night ward, and that's how all of the water came into the lower night ward. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know it was George Bush. Stop covering up for him. Uh, when George Bush George Bush according to Kanye George Bush hates black people <laughs> is that where that came from that yeah came you from- know he did that on uh, it was K- Katrina aid it was live it was him and Mike Myers I knew it came from You've I never, forgot where it came he, from Mike Myers is reading the fucking teleprompter and then it's Kanye's turn he gets on he goes George Bush Hates black people, and you can see Mike Myers' face. He's just he like he don't know what to do or what to say. Have you never seen? He's that? like, what the fuck? It, it's yeah. fucking hilarious. His face oh that he makes. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. Hold on, I'm gonna let let you look at that shit because it is funny. So, what are you? You a master trooper yet, or a senior trooper? I'm an MT, baby. So, what is that? That's like the last thing. Yeah, that's as much as you can get promoted. Okay. So you get sergeant. It's okay, yeah. like a police officer four. Okay. With the breach of three levees protecting New Orleans, perhaps irreversibly. There's now over twenty five feet of water where there was once city streets and Watch his face. I hate the way they betray us in the media. We see a black family looting, see a white family that says looking for food and you know because there's five days because most of the people are black 
Mike Myers is like, that's not on the teleprompter. <laughs> <laughs> He's okay with he's not he's not too disturbed with that yet. Chris Tucker, he don't even know what the fuck. He's like, um. Yeah, they're like, man, what the fuck just happened? His, he looked at him. He's like, he didn't know what, if he was going to, like he was about to tell him, say, man, sh- what the fuck are you talking about? I've never, I've never seen this video. How have you never seen that? I don't know. <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> oh, Mike Myers didn't know what to do. Question? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Oh, well, no. Not Trump. She's shocked that I picked her. Whoops. <laughs> got Trump going. All right, D. I think that's good, man. I, uh, yeah. I appreciate you coming on and uh, talking with us uneducated people about Katrina. And about, un- and about being uneducated, but you just got to stop listening to the the, yeah. the media and shit, and just do your own goddamn, you know, well, your own search for you, information, you man. Say that's the main that, thing. But the, the, the media is just, it's just full of shit, bro. They just trying to pin black against white and try to make shit a fucking racial issue when it's really not. You know what I'm saying? And that's the main thing. For sure. See, look, that's a whole other podcast right yeah. there. Yeah, that's it a, is. It is. Make sure you have me on that one, dude. Yeah. When you have that one, you know me. One thing about me, Rob. I've never had one black roommate when I was in a core. Every one of my roommates was white or Hispanic. And it was just uh, a culture shock for me coming from New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? Going into that environment. So I would love to be on that podcast dealing with that shit. Yeah, I want want to do um, the next one I want to do is get you and Manny and uh, Mongo and Chicken all back on. And I want to do one about um, just the whole atmosphere of race as it is today in america and but you, but you gotta Trump understand something you can't have and, them on it uh, i'm gonna tell you why because they're in california california is one of the racially diverse city countries states in the nation you see what i'm saying yeah so but i want to talk about trump and they're hispanic and they they're pro-trump except for chicken so that's why chicken. i want them he voted on. for hillary he got a hillary tattoo on his booty well, see, that's why we got to have him on because we got to have the other side. And we just lost all our listeners. And we just lost all our <laughs> listeners. And there we go. But I don't give a fuck. Man, look, I voted for Trump. Uh, I voted for Trump, and I ain't ashamed to say it. You gonna I'm get black. your black card taken? Huh? You gonna get your black card taken? Man, I don't give a flying fuck. Let me tell you something. I got a I got a MAGA hat. 
and I wouldn't motherfucker. And I wish a motherfucker would walk up to me and take that hat off my head. They ain't gonna take your hat. They only take little white guys' hats. I got a full fifty four casual that would ensure these motherfuckers get the fuck up off me. Like I'm getting my hat back, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Man, I ain't got time for that shit, man. And people just with just stupid shit, bro. I mean, everybody's got their own choice, their own decision to make. I mean, whether you like it or not. I mean, you've never seen nobody walk up to no Hillary voters and try to pull a fucking right. Hillary shirt off them or something. It's just stupid, bro. And like you have a lot of people they try to say Donald Trump is racist and all this shit. And I try to tell people, okay, name one thing he's racist for. And they can't say any fucking thing because, of course, they're listening to what everybody else fucking says. You know what I'm saying? Well, he was only Me, racist when he became president. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's not even when he became president. It's when he realized he was a threat to Hillary. That's when he became racist. Hmm. You know, and my thing is, I look at it like this. I'm black. I served in the Marine Corps when I was 17, and I'm wait all minute, about wait the Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 you're black? Absolutely. Oh, I didn't know that. We discussed yeah. this. Very oh, beginning. I forgot. We discussed that. Forgot. Fuck, that's why they call it the black, the Panama black mom. I have Gulf War <laughs> syndrome. I forgot. <laughs> it's memory loss. We covered this. <laughs> well, D, thanks for being yeah. on, brother. I love you. I miss Thank you. Thank you. I love you too, my brother. April, I love you. I love you April, too, if your credit score goes down, he doesn't want to I'm sorry, but I'm I'm married now, so you can't be my uh, wife. But I'm pretty sure. Well, nobody's gonna marry Mongo, so if you want to lower your standards, you well, he 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 got an old lady. Nigga, it's his old lady. He paid that chick to get in his freaking car. <laughs> he pulled up on Slauson and fucking West Thirteenth. Damn, Mongo, he said, hey, you I got hear twenty dollars. Get in the car. Act like you're my girlfriend. Damn, that's fucked up, Mongo. I'm taking up for you. All right, man. I love you, and uh, we'll see you next time. We got to get together. Love you too, my brother. Peace. Okay. Bye. Bye. And that's going to do it. So uh, make sure you tune in next week for next week's show. And I don't know who's going to be on yet, but when we figure it out, we'll figure it out and we'll let you know. So we will see you when we see you. Bye, bitches. All right, that's us for another PM. Fuck your mother. You've been listening to the Louisiana Saturday Night Podcast. Join us next time. But in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter at LSN Podcast. And find us on Facebook at Louisiana Saturday Night Podcast. Every night until further notice. Go! Okay, bye now. Goodbye.